Good evening and welcome to the Boom or Bust NRL Fantasy Podcast. So we're in week six of our pre-season reviews. I'm your host, Stuart Lord, and tonight I'm joined by Mitch, who's our expert physio. Hey, Mitch. Hey, mate. How's it going, mate? Good, good. As you can hear, Mitch has a new headset, so, you know, I'll send a little bit less tinny. And uh, we also have Nick, who is our resident fantasy nugget. <laughs> G'day, guys. How's it going? Good, good, good. So we changed him from it. He's also our numbers expert, but uh, unfortunately, numbers don't really translate. So... <laughs> Now, look, guys, uh, had a great week around here. So uh, we hit, hit a couple of milestones. So we hit over 200 followers and we're climbing well past that now on uh, on the Facebook page and uh, we over 200 people listening to the podcast. So thank you, everyone at home, uh, sometimes at our own homes who are listening and liking. We appreciate it. Thanks, mum. Thanks, mum. Jeez, I'd, I'd thank my mum, but she doesn't listen. <laughs> well, I guess I guess our mums get to support, you know, two children for the price of one listen, so that's all right. <laughs> and uh, we also, uh, so we hit those and uh, had some great responses this week. Also, thank you for people who direct message us as a team uh, with your teams or just with questions. It's been great. We love it. We love talking footy, especially when there's no footy on. It's like it's it's great to be able to to have a chat. Uh, and remember, guys, if you don't know where to find us, we are at Boom or Bust NRL, all one word. So Facebook, Instagram, nowhere else. So <laughs> we've also got a podcast, but you found us, so we don't need to tell you where that is. Mitch, uh, as as the recurring joke goes, Mitch is still working on the OnlyFans. Um, he's got his private OnlyFans up. He just hasn't created one for the Boomer Bus podcast yet. <laughs> not, uh, not yet, but it is in the works. It is in the works. That's right. <laughs> so, so what happens is you pay us not to send you photos. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> anyway, so look, m- moving on. We do have some news this week, everyone. Uh and uh, and then we'll we'll get to the last of it. So some news, Nick, take us away, guys. Uh, Josh Schuster, he's suffered a syndesmosis injury, um, and at this stage, there's not too many details, but he's um, meant to come back round six. So from a fantasy point of view, uh, we see two options. The likely option appears to be Carl Lawton, guys. He's 400k. His hooker edge. He's got really nice stats. We'll go through those next week. Next week, we're getting into the Seagulls and Rabbitohs, so we'll definitely touch on Carl next week as he enters fantasy relevancy. The smoky here is Andrew Davey at 240K. So people may remember from last year that Andrew Davey actually had the left edge spot um, to begin the year. Then he went down with his ACL, and what that did is actually open the door for Schuster. So there could be a reversal of roles here. Uh, either way, we sort of anticipate... Josh Schuster coming back in, straight back into the side. He's too, he's too good quality. He's a decent fantasy prospect, but as I said, we'll get stuck into the deep dive for those two guys and Josh Schuster next week as well. Yeah, that's that's right. And uh, we'll just uh, tuck into the injury a little bit more. Mitch, uh, Cindersmosis, how, how gnarly is that on the injury scale? 
Uh, look, they've picked it up early, and he, he seems like he's going to have surgery fairly early on in the piece. The The big thing with the syndesmosis is the time spent in the boot. So we're typically looking at six weeks of uh, non-weight bearing followed by another six weeks of reconditioning. It typically ranges from about a three to four month rehabilitation. So rule of thumb, guys, whenever someone spends time in a bit of boot, they are going to start off a bit slow uh, even once they get back on the field. So... I would be thinking early May at best uh, with the possibility that it could be um, sort of late May, early June. And certainly if he comes back in early May, he uh, will likely have a, a bit of a drop in, in performance. So it's a bit of an unfortunate injury. But as I've said before, syndesmosis, NRL guys don't miss it. When it's at a certain grading, it needs that surgery and it's clearly that. So he'll be sent for that and we'll be back uh sometime around May, I'd say, whether it be early or late. Oh, that's good. And as, uh, as sad as it is for a lack of performance, it might mean a few slow games or games off the bench might make him a bit more affordable to pick up mid-season. So there we go. But I guess we'll, we'll drag in more into the implications next week. Uh, the last one is, uh, guys, uh, we've got our NRL uh, Fantasy League up. Uh, I'll post it again this week uh, with the graphics. Uh, as we said before, guys, you're pretty much guaranteed not to come last in this league, you know. So, the uh, Nick has bettered that spot down. I think with his early non-Cleary captaining call. So, mate, I'm taking you captain this year, okay, guys? Okay, I, I, I'm doing I think, it. I think for every person that is able to knock Nick over in this charity, or sorry, in this league, he should donate five dollars to some nominated charity. Well, look, we've got 150 people so far. Thank you, everyone, for joining. So, Nick, 750 bucks, mate. There you go. <laughs> That's going to be an expensive one. <laughs> It'd be tax deductible at least. So, you know, there's always a bright side oh, of things, fair, you know. Fair enough, mate. So, look, uh, we'll have the details up on that this week. Please give us a join. Uh, I'll be posting... Uh, up stuff during the season the stuff on the ladder and it won't just be hey there here's the top five guys because that sorts it out pretty surely like I might have uh, you know when times are quiet during mid-season go and find those smoky teams out there and work out exactly who who decided that Andrew Fafita was the best captain to have this year so yeah join we'll have fun and go from there alright so look tonight we are looking at the eels and the roosters uh, to you, yeah. So, look, there's plenty, plenty to talk about tonight, guys. Uh, let's talk about the eels first. So, the eels have been a pretty stable side. Um, they've sort of not quite been contenders, but they've definitely been a top eight team for the last few years, which has been great. And they haven't really had much movement this off season. So, uh, look, they're joining them this year has been Bailey Simonson, who's joined from the Raiders. And Mitch Rain from the Titans. So, not huge additions there. And they've had some losses. So, they lost Joey Lusick to UK footy. Blake Ferguson to a uh, Japanese jail. Mitch- <laughs> <laughs> it, it says so- rugby union here, but uh, things, things took a left t- left turn for Blake when he landed in Japan, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tri- tripped and accidentally landed a whole pile of cocaine, apparently. So... <laughs> 
Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. No, I'm, pre- I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that might be proven as fact now. I don't know. But hopefully allegedly. <laughs> anyway, so poor, poor How Blake. much money did he leave on the table there? I, I believe his contract was in the millions, but I, I could be wrong about that. Well, if it's millions of yen, it's probably about 80 bucks, mate. But <laughs> but, but no, it, it would have been he, – he would have been on great money for – they pay well out there in Japan. I, yeah, that's that's my point. So What a flop. Um, and, not, and it, not, yeah, I, I know. Look, I saw Blake Ferguson a little while back down at uh, lovely AMF Bowl at Sylvania, and look, he seems like a lovely guy. I think he's just made a bit of a mistake here. So sorry, Blake, to hear about your troubles. And I know you're not listening, but uh, if you were, wish you all the best. Konnichiwa. <laughs> sayonara <laughs> yeah it's more like hey I was trying to say hello but I guess yes yeah, sayonara is more like it so <laughs> I know anyway look they've also got uh, Michael Oldfield who was released didn't really play much last year Sam Hughes released Will Smith the fresh prince who's gone to the Titans and Keegan Hipgrave who's gone into retirement over what I believe is a series of HIA knocks so yeah, is- we're seeing more and more of that. It's the uh, it's the real danger, and we'll be talking about it later with players like Luke Keery. That once you start to get a few, um, away you go. Yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, Ryan Madison will certainly be one worth talking about for that. Absolutely, I've, I've been uh, burnt on that train. So, all right, guys, team team pickups. Any any particular interest in Simerson Mitrain? Uh, certainly not from a fantasy point of view. I do think Rain is a reasonably good pickup as the potential coverage for Reed Mahoney, but we'll get into that shortly. Uh, Bailey Simonson, I mean, he's a, he's a good player, but there's no, no no standouts here on on this list. Probably the the thing that I look at is is the losses. Um, nothing to really ride home about there either. Though it'll be interesting to see how the Eels fare without Sevo uh, for an extended duration and Ferguson not running the ball back uh, tackle one and two. That seemed to make a big difference to them Ooh, that's uh, actually, last season. That's actually a really good point. But it, it is interesting to see that they've got quite a stable team. But look, mate, looking at those injuries, Mitch, how about you take us through? Look, they've yep. got a few injuries. Take us away. They, they do. So uh, the first one, let's start off with probably the most interesting one is Reed Mahoney. So he's had a sort of torrid time with his shoulder over the last few years. And uh, basically after the most recent subluxation and labral tear, so whenever we get the shoulder sort of either fully dislocating or subluxing, which is effectively where it comes in and out without us having to relocate it, we do get a tearing of the labrum, which is sort of the sheath surrounding the shoulder joint. He's set to return in the trial. So he had a uh, Latage uh, surgery and labral repair uh, around August of last year. It's quite an effective surgery in preventing reoccurrences, particularly uh, for the dislocation side of things. So it sort of has only a 2 to 3% reoccurrence rate. And I do believe, and, and this is uh, sort of hearsay, but I'm pretty sure uh, this was done by a surgeon uh, named Dr. Trantalis, and he's sort of known for this, uh, this surgery. So I do feel like he is likely to get a pretty good outcome. It's typically between a four to six month recovery. So he should be ready to go for the start of the fantasy season. He may be slightly behind on reconditioning uh, due to the rehabilitation process. So there might be a mild role reduction round one. But really with Reed, I'd be looking for 
Uh, how he's going in the trials. Is he tackling? Does he look confident on that shoulder? Does he tend to lead with it? If he does... Uh, and he seems to be uh, not, not protecting against it when he lands and uh, goes in for those tackles. I, I actually think he's a moderate to mild injury risk. Uh, as I said, the J surgery and the way they do it now is pretty darn effective. Um, without going into too much detail, if he managed to, to dislocate it again, it, it'd be surprising and also also quite bad. So uh, if you were looking at Reed, not, not the worst pickup in the world. Uh, Mike Acevo, so he sustained an ACL injury um, late last year. Now, as we've talked about, uh, ACLs are typically in the NRL a nine-month process. I, I certainly do prefer to see sort of close to that 12-month as far as picking up players from an injury standpoint. So he's set to return rounds 10 to 12. Uh, given Mike's role, the ACL is a bit of a big one for him. He's all about the speed, explosion, and change of the direction. So... If you were looking to pick him up, I'd sort of be looking at uh, at least four rounds after that, so sort of round 16, 17, because he likely will have a drop in production. Uh, and then at that point, you sort of will have a good idea if he's going to have that uh, re-injury or, or he's sort of back to the Mike Acevo we know. Hey, Nick, quick question for you. What what round do the Roosters uh, play the Eels, mate? Go look that up for me. Yeah. I, I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm thinking Teddy's probably looking that up too, just making sure Sivo's not back by then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that tackle. You know what? It is m m m m magic round. Uh, that might be on the, the day that we're going, boys. Oh, don't tell me. If it is, then it is magic I think round. it is. Dragons, Panthers in this game. Yeah, I'm just double-checking what day of the week it is. That might take me a couple of seconds. Oh, but sorry, we'll, yep. come back to, we'll come back to it. Uh, Mitch, who's who's next on the list? Last one, Nathan Brown. So he's an ankle syndesmosis and arthroscope, so a bit of a clean out of the cartilage. He's set to return in the trial. Uh, he's had plenty of time to recover. He did play through the syndesmosis, but that kind of to me indicates that it was a low enough grading that he could get through. Typically, the higher ones, you're not playing rugby league. I'd expect him to be back to a normal uh, performance level. There shouldn't be any major drop in performance. He's had an entire off-season to recover. So to be safe, have a look at him in the trials. But if you're thinking Nathan Brown from an injury standpoint, he should be good to go. Awesome. That's good to go. Nick, any word? No, no, it's not the Saturday, so oh. we won't be seeing that game. So, sorry, guys. That's all right. Well, look, the answer is Sivo won't be back by then, uh, barring sort of a mild miracle. So, we'll, we'll yeah, they're the on reunion. they're on the Sunday they're on the Sunday afternoon, which is still a pretty decent day. Um, but the, the day we're going before, I think the Storm Panthers on Magic Round Saturday night. That's going to be very juicy. Hundred percent. If everyone's fit, that'll be a great game. Absolutely. All right. So, look, uh, thanks for that injury uh, injury update. It's especially good to know about uh, Reed Marnie. So, uh, let's have a look at the Eels' strength of schedule. Nick, how, how are the Eels looking this year? So, um, my mum, she's an Eels fan, and I had to break it to her that they actually have the hardest schedule in the league this year. Um, just by my calculations, uh Round 13 bias, so just keep that in mind uh, for classic players. Um, they have an easy, actually, five-game stretch, guys, from round four to round eight, which I'll go through, which is the Dragons, round four, Titans, round five, Tigers, round six, Knights, round seven, and Cowboys, round eight. So I think they could probably pick up four wins there, but it's then uh, followed by hell 
uh, uh, Panthers round nine, Roosters round ten, Seagulls round eleven, followed by uh, up the milk Raiders round twelve. Oh, which means- love the green machine. <laughs> so, that's, that's, put put a put a loss in the eels column there. Um, and we know guys that the eels are not good against good teams. They smash apart from teams. the storm. They, strangely enough, they I think they compete, but they don't beat, do they? Yeah, oh, they they did a couple of times last year, but against the other I, teams, they certainly struggle. I thought that they matched up really well against the storm, though, more than anything. Yeah, well, they they beat them up through the middle. That's right. Mm, mm. I mean, he, he, just historically, like we know the Eels don't necessarily go that far in finals and that's usually against the better teams. But, mm. you know, if you look at the, and we'll get into it in a bit, but the, the fantasy scores against good teams, particularly for your backs, are just knowing you what their usual performance is, where they really do towel up around up and, and run up cricket scores against your Dragons, your Tigers and Cowboys and everything like that. Anyway, they've got the 15th ranked, um, so second hardest, um, schedule going to round 13 guys and they've got the seventh easiest so pretty average round 18 so it's bloody hard and then you're about middle of the pack now the reason being is because of the game of the teams they play twice they've got the Rabbitohs Storm Roosters Seagulls and Panthers so you've got wow. four really good defensive teams in there the Seagulls we know um, they're just going to beat you um, via offense and not really defense but um, I'm quite I'm quite worried about the Eels uh, this year just because of schedule and just because of the history of not being giant killers, except for the Storm. Um, and I think a lot of teams have gotten better. Um, but anyway, it's not looking good for the Eels, guys. Um, Stu, what are your thoughts? That's pretty gross. So, like, I'm looking at that and I'm just going, yeah, look, I don't think the Rabbitohs, I think the Rabbitohs and the Eels would be around where each other sit this year. And but it's it's just a tough schedule because it even means even if they walk out on top of a couple of those games, you come out battered. Like you know, you leave to to win those games. I I don't know whether you guys agree, but like the guys, you got to put some uh, draw some extra petrol out of the tank, and some guys might absolutely some niggles, some injuries, and so those grindy games where you can't rest your studs early, that's it's going to hurt. I, I yeah, just got, yeah. You go, Nick. No, I was just going to say we're going to find out what they're like before they're by. Really, um, we're going to see what they can do against these, you know, average teams. And then, um, as G says, they're going to desperately need this buy. I think. So, what are you going to say, Mitch? I just think they're just going to struggle in general. As I was saying, I think the absence of uh, Blake Ferguson and Mike Acevo, they just got their sets rolling forwards. Like, as you said, Nick, the big thing about the Eels was they beat teams up the middle, and the reason they could do it is tackles three, four, and five. Their big forwards were able to get big running metres off uh, the the back of Ferguson and Sevo. And without that, I, I just feel like they're going to be burning too much juice to get the the team advancing forward and, and aren't going to have much juice in defence. I, I think you can put a loss for all 10 of those games across those big five teams, I think they'll struggle to beat the Dragons. And, um, you know, maybe they have that nice four out of five game winning streak you had. I think looking at that schedule, I I just quickly changed where I had them on my little ladder because that strength of schedule is just, as you said, it's the worst in the league. And none of those matchups are good for the Eels at all. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it's it's not looking great. So uh, that's going to be a rough one, guys. Uh, and also, they got the bye week thirteen. Yeah. So that's that's something also to know for you fantasy players at home. Like just Nick confirming round thirteen bye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's round 13. It just makes it awkward from a fantasy point of view because, yeah, you get some easy games early, but then you run into a lot of trouble and you're running into that bias. So um, out of the prospects that we'll get to, it's it's sort of tough to find out when you should actually get these guys and round one may not be a good time. Yeah. Um, depending upon who you're looking at. Yeah, 100%. I like like you're thinking there. So just for the people at home, I guess what happens is that if you're playing for overall and that means, you know, you just tally up the number of points your team scores every week throughout the year, rounds 1 through 25, and add it together, whoever gets the most wins. What that means for us is that um, if you got the bye week early, your players from those teams, half of the teams, don't play that round. You, you don't get points from them. So, which means that you either have to trade them out or you have to eat the fact that they're not scoring points. So you always got to add like maybe a percentage point or two to those teams which do play round 13 for the and the players aren't playing Origin because you know that you're going to get those few extra games when you need it early on and you can always flip them out later. You got that sort of week between week 13 and 17. So uh, I guess looking forward, uh, but it does mean is that you might be picking up the Eels later on the season because they do play that round 17. So, look, let's start at that top 30, and especially that starting 17, their best starting 17 uh, for early in the season. So, guys, at uh, at fullback, I've got Clint Gutherson, which is pretty standard, King Gutho. Uh, on the wings... King Gutho, long live the king. <laughs> look, I, I know I was saying to you guys a while back, I guess we'll talk more about Gutho, but, like, I've got a lot of time for him. So we'll talk more when we get to him as uh, in the fantasy review. But he's he's a great, great guy. Uh, look on the wings, we got Hayes Dunster and Bailey Simonson. At centre, I got Will Penasini and Waka Blake. I've got uh, in the halves, I got Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses. At uh, props, I have Regan Campbell Gillard and Junior Paulo, uh, with Reed Marnie at hooker. On the edges, I have Ryan Matteson and Isaiah Papali'i at lock, Nathan Brown. And on the bench, Ray Stone, Bryce Cartwright, Oregon Kafusi, and Sean Lane. And I guess looking through the rest of the squad, guys, obviously we've got Marcus Sivo. I haven't got him there because he will be out for a significant number of rounds, almost half the season. Uh, and we also got in there, I guess... Uh, Look, I guess one other, couple other guys. Look, we have Jake Arthur. If something happens to Mitchell Moses or uh, Dylan Brown, Jake Arthur might get a run. Uh, Tom Opacek, who I've got here probably losing his center spot, but he could always still take it back. And uh, I don't think there's much else here, guys. Like there seems to be a whole bunch of development players. And I guess we'll come to it in a couple of weeks' time. But due to the COVID, um, like they just haven't developed as well in a lot of teams as they might well have. So I don't think there's too many of these guys threatening to bust into the top 17 this year. Look, guys, any uh, thoughts on that? I, I, yeah, I don't really. I 
pretty much 100% agree. I'm sort of thinking Mitch Rain will probably get a crack at the 14 role. Um, he's quite dynamic. I, I don't think he'd only spell read Marnie if he gets an origin call up. I think, why would you bring him in if you're not going to chuck him in there? So, uh, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure of his contract either, but that's probably the only consideration I'd look for. Mitch? Uh, as far as getting injured for Reed Marnie or... No, oh, just, no, 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 just in general. Anyone else in this top 30? Uh, no major thoughts outside of what I've already said, which is uh, they have a great forward pack, reasonable halves pairing. Uh, Clint Gutherson's always solid at the back. I don't love the rest of the back line, and I certainly don't love the winger's ability to get the line moving forward. And I think largely I look at this team and I go, this team is not nearly as good or scary as it was last year. It's a year older and it's not much different. Uh, and a year older probably in more of a negative way as opposed to say you look at the Penrith Panthers and go, gee whiz, that's a team with a year more experience. That's quite scary. Yeah, clear at 24. Oh, geez. Anyway, the... Um... Yeah, no, great, great, great point about the age. They've definitely been set up for the last few years to contend the last three years or so. And... You know, some of these guys may be coming off their prime a little bit, um, off their peak, you know, especially in that forward pack. I just think the window is almost shut, if not already. Yeah. Or, or at least rebuild, redo time. Because I think I think uh, Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown, if they kept them together, could survive that amount of time. They're still... Mitch Moses isn't too old and Dylan Brown's in early 20s. But, yeah, the rest would struggle. Okay, Nick, uh, well, look, let's drill into these players a bit more. So, Nick, how about you take us away uh, with the fantasy-relevant players? Please start us off. Okay, um, this is sort of going to burst everyone's bubble. I'm going to start with probably the most fantasy-relevant player, which is Will Penasini at 350K. Uh, he's the young gun center. His break-even is 28. His 2021 average was 33.7 in three games. Uh, he's just a center, so he doesn't have that DPP. Um I think he's a really super classy player. And he actually reminds me of Michael Jennings, whose spot he actually took. So uh, he's sort of that smaller kind of center, lower center of gravity, great lightning footwork, strong. Um, I wish he was a bit cheaper from a fantasy point of view. Um, sort of 300K would have been a bit better. So if only Jennings didn't have to muck things up and you know get into trouble. I sort of see him having a 7 to 10 point average upside. I think he's sort of a um, unanimous cash cow across the league. Um, he's definitely in my team. Stu, are you buying Will Pinasini? I'm certainly keen on him. Uh, he's, at, he's at a slightly awkward price point because you could get him, you could get Stephen Crichton, you could get Joseph Sawali, uh, Xavier Coates. Uh, Jordan Pereira there's a whole bunch of guys up there that you could get but look he certainly uh, he certainly seems like he's got a good opportunity there and you know there's there's some money to be made how about you Mitch um, look I, I certainly think there's money to be made the big question is and I've said it before is uh, with backline players their scoring is always predicated to a degree on the fortunes and success of the team. And I do have my doubts that Parramatta is going to be as strong as they were in previous years. So uh, there's cash to be had. It's just the question is how much cash are we are we going to get? I, I, I don't know if he has uh, 10 points extra in him, maybe as six or seven if, if we're lucky. I just, 
I think early on, or at least first 13 rounds, is the Seals team could struggle. There you so go. we think more spicy. Um, I'm not saying he's certified boom. The reason why I haven't dug down into stats because there's only three games. Um, so yeah. there's not really much to look at. He's a young player, so th- there isn't really much out there. He, he runs over 100 metres, um, makes makes some tackles. He don't, he hasn't really shown much tap tackle busting ability though i think he passes the eye test so that's sort of what i'm betting on here guys is that the the eye test from what we did see will generate some more you know tackle busts and everything like that and he's, he's a strong ball carrier so that that's why i'm personally going to bring him in so i've got him as a boom uh stew you thinking spicy potentially oh, look, look i've i've got him as um yeah look i've got him as spicy mitch i've got him as spicy as well i i He'd be a boom if he was on a good team. Yeah, fair, right. Okay. F- fair enough. Okay, well, look, I'll, I'll put him there. But again, you know, it's... Uh, I'm making sure I spell his name right. So... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the... Um, <laughs> if you don't get that, try and write it a few times. So, uh, anyway, look, uh, we, we got him down as a spicy choice. Uh, next up, Nick, we have the king himself. King Gaffa, long live the king. He um, 645k, guys. His break-even is 51, and his 2021 20, average was 51.4. He's an absolute Ironman, 23 games, and he's the wing fullback position. Um, he had a big up year. So in 2021, as I said, 51.4 average. In 2020, it was 47.4. So... As one of those super fit guys, I sort of saw him as a big beneficiary of Lanny Sport. So looking back another year again in 2019, he was averaged 33.4. So being super fit means he's there's more attacking play. He's just sort of supporting through the middle all the time. He's taking advantage of those absolutely exhausted forwards as well. But as I said um, earlier in the strength of schedule, guys, he as a reflection of the of the Eels team really struggles against the big five. Uh, teams that I mentioned before. So the Sea Eagles, the Storm, the Panthers, the Rabbitohs, and the Roosters. So he actually has a 36% drop in his average. Um, so when he versus those big five te- um, big five teams, he averages 38.4. But against everyone else in the comp, right, he averages 60. So you can see there's sort of a 10-point upside if he's versing heaps of the bad teams. But that's just not the case due to the Eels schedule this year um just as a bit of a stat he has the most player and support runs uh in the league so 248 support runs um second was dylan edwards at 201 and third was nico hines at 200 so he definitely stands above the pack in terms of just being in the play so what i would think is that he sort of takes the most of his opportunities to get attacking stats um, I think we've sort of said that the team, as far as the Eels concerned, isn't much better, and we mm. think they may go a bit worse. So I've sort of bit down on him this year, even though he's not a huge tackle-busting guy. So I don't think his average will be affected too much, but I think he'll just have a bit of a downturn in terms of how his team's going and his schedule this year. Mitch, are you... So I've got him as a bust, personally. Mitch, are you looking at, uh, at King Guffo at all? Mate, I, I thought you made all really good points there. Uh, the big one's the last one. He's 
the same player. He's a year older. He's an awesome supporting player. And if he was on a good team, maybe at 6.45, you could, could consider him as a, as a keeper for the season. But on the Eels team that's on the downturn, I think he's a bust as well. Stu, you, uh, you no. got him in the bust category? Oh, mate, uh, bust for me. I'm just having a look through his stats. And basically, I think also his average is propped up. He had a couple of great games last year. 91 versus the Bulldogs. 79 versus the Knights, uh, who were not playing well at the time. 88 versus the Titans. And these are also games like some of them where, you know, the 91, he bagged a double. Uh, versus the Bulldogs, right? Or he was kicking goals in a couple of the other ones, like against the Tigers. Um, the uh, one time where I think that you would be interested in him is if Mitchell Moses went out for an extended period because Gutho steps up to a new level of how he plays if Mitchell Moses isn't around to run that team around. He kicks, he runs, he kiss, kicks goals, he's all singing, all dancing. That's the only time. But otherwise, bust. Yeah, he's just a bit too expensive for me, and particularly in team construction, guys. We've got other options out there. If you like, um, uh, Paps, he's a bit cheaper, I think. At 636, is he, Stu? What's he, Paps he, at? Pep, yeah, Paps is there, and plus Paps is kicking goals, right? And Nico Hines at 602, you can get a wing fullback. Uh, other options at fullback, guys, around that price point. Can you think of any others off the top yep. of your head you might prefer? Kalen Ponga. 600k. <laughs> I, I, look, I I would honestly. I'm not against it. I, it, it I'd if you Nuggets tell me that Papadowson's a better pick over Ponga, this podcast is going to take a long time. <laughs> I, I I'm taking. Okay, you know what? I'll take it on that. I reckon that Paps will do better than Ponga at fantasy this season. Is it is that average points or total points? Total, total average. Uh, I'll t- I definitely say average, right? And no, value. I'm not taking average, but I'll take total. You take total? Okay, I'll, yep. I'll take total too. Because I, I, I'm basically putting that advice less so on the fact that um, I think Pappenhausen will play worse so much as I think he'll go down with another concussion and this time it'll be uh, eight to ten games at least. He really struggled to get back from that concussion. He did. Um, and uh, there's some stuff there that um, went on with, with his upper upper neck and, and when things are going on there, I start to get the heebie-jeebies. But happy to take your, take your daughter's food off, off out of her mouth. Oh, so mate, she didn't even eat your lunch today, so I'll keep it there for you, the cheese and bacon roll, mate. <laughs> Came home and eat and you can have it. But um, no, mate, I, look, I reckon perhaps will do better. But either way, guys, before we get too off topic, Gutho, uh, three-way bust. So confirm bust, boys. Busted. Certified. Okay, moving on. Mitch Moses, guys, 631K, break-even of 51, and his 2021 average was 55.5, 20 games, which is pretty impressive, and he's a half. So he actually made his uh, State of Origin debut, which is very solid for him. Um, so the clearing nerf hurts his average um, by it's actually six points per game. Um, so the reduction from 20 uh, kick meters per point to 30 um, means he will lose about six points per game. Um, I'm a bit worried. Uh, his attacking stats were up in 2021, actually. So he had 18 try assists last year versus 2020, which was eight. But his actual average was about the same. The reason being, guys, is because his kick meters actually dropped from 446 
to 375 in 2021. And that was due to Nathan Brown taking on a bit more responsibility, I think. Dylan um, Brown? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Nah, Nathan Brown's doing the kick meets, mate. <laughs> I was um, like, "Geez, mate, I'm on, I'm on Nathan Brown if he's taking over kick meet." Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my bad, Dylan Brown. Sorry. Um, and the other thing was, um, he actually just had less traffic sent his way. So in 2020, he averaged 19 tackles and 3.3 missed tackles, but in 2021, it was 13. So sort of a six point reduction there. But he also had one less missed tackle, so it's a sort of a four point net reduction just from less traffic being sent his way. Um, I don't know, maybe if just the more free flowing uh, way of the game now that you, you know, you just sort of eyes up footy, see what you see rather than specifically attacking Mitchell Moses over and over and over and over, like sort of the the old older sort of style was in the in the tens and even the noughties as well. He was also uh, uh, cha- he also uh, changed sides, I believe. Well, did, did he? he? Did okay. he or Maddo? Maddo changed sides, and I think he had Papali'i next to him. That's it. Oh. And, and, and look, if you had, uh, Pap, you know, if you were going to be tackled by Isaiah Papali'i, I, I wouldn't be running towards him either. <laughs> so that's probably like a Mitchell got less spring and traffic. No, no, no. I'm not running Isaiah Papali'i. No slander here. Um, <laughs> so uh, all in all, I don't, so as I mentioned, his attacking stats was sort of up on his previous year. His kick meters are sort of down. Um, I don't see the Eels going better, so I don't see more goals in him either, um, importantly. I think Dylan Brown, I repeat, Dylan Brown is taking on more <laughs> responsibility in the halves. Uh, so I don't really see any upside there statistically, and I've got him as a... I've got him as a bust round one, but I'll be very interested if he drops a little bit of coin. Um, well, actually, no, I'm going to chuck a star on Mitchell, uh, Mitchell Moses. Stu, are you um, keeping an eye on him? Yeah, look, I, he's he's a quality half. Uh, he's he's not quite Nathan Cleary. He's he's not playing that sort of side, and he's not quite that player, but he's, he's a quality half. So, like, you always got to chuck a star on a guy like that because just say he comes off early with an ankle injury, drops a bit of coin, you know, has a slow week coming back, whatever else. Like at, at his current price at uh, his at what six hundred and thirty one, there's not nothing there. But you know if he got down to five hundred five fifty, right, you'd definitely be looking very keenly at him. So especially post round thirteen. So look, guys, definitely chuck a star for me, Mitch. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, his average the last two years has been quite consistent. I I am flagging that uptick in trices i think you'll have a lot less of those this year uh and i do think there are a lot better half options out there but Stu and nick i think your point's too good that he's a consistent point scorer he has a down week or cops a bad injury drops 30 40k in cash that that could be some quick money that you could uh make through him so you know he has to be a chocolate star i think yeah, without, without litigating other options, I think it's just interesting to do it as we go, though. Um, around that same price point, you can get Birdo, Matt Burton, for just under That's what I was looking at. And Toby Sexton is another one I was looking at when you were talking at, at the same price. Can you, uh, Fogarty, can you get Fogarty in there? Oh, Fogarty's a bit more expensive. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you can definitely get Toby Sexton under there. And so. Nico Hines at 602. Jack Whiten at 569, who Jack's. I think will outperform Mitchell Moses. So, so I, I, I <laughs> no, don't say Luke Brooks. No, I wasn't going to say Luke Brooks, mate. I was <laughs> just going to go like Kiri, but not even Kiri. Uh, you've got uh, 
oh what's his name uh sam walker four four hundred and eighty so yeah like there, there's there's definitely like cheaper day one options and for me personally kurt man 472k likely to be playing 13 chuck him on your bench he'll cover both positions He's a half as well, um, which is what Stu's getting at. So if you're looking for a half, maybe chuck Kurt Mann in your starting side if you're you're looking for a cheaper option. Mm. Um, So we're just going to chuck a star in for now, boys? Chuck a star. Sweet as. So we'll move on to his half partner, Dylan Brown. So he's actually more expensive than Mitch Moses, guys, uh, which really surprised me. He's 641K. His break even is 51. And his 2021 average was 51.2 in 19 games. And he's just a half as well. So his uh, 2020 average was 53.2. So he actually regressed a little bit in 2021. Um, Only 127 kick meters. So he'll have a two-point average decrease um, from last year. So based upon um, where sort of he's at, he may take on some more responsibility. But at that price point, I'm not willing to risk um, bringing him into my team. So I've got him as a chuck of star for now, guys. Um, Mitch, are you thinking the same sort of thing? or I'm actually not. I actually consider Brown to be a bit of a bust. I just think with the downturn in the Eels performance at that price point, I just can't justify him i think moses with his role as a general yep i could see that there could be some value with uh potentially uh kick meters the occasional try assist line break assist you know those stats have been fairly consistent but i think brown is is certainly more of an attacking half i know you said he had a bit more of a role as a field general but i think on this eels team i'd actually consider him to a bust i i can't see too many situations short of mitchell moses going down where i would want to pick him up yeah. Do you uh, chucking chucking his star, or you, would you actually consider bringing him in? Uh, look, I'd struggle to bring him compared to Jack Whiten for about a hundred k less, or you know, sort of eighty k less, uh, mm. for instance, or even someone like if you're looking to bring a number six into your side, or like a half into your side, but you like those attacking stats again, back to Kurt Mann, or even. Uh, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks' time, there's a couple of guys at the Panthers, but one's about 600 grand cheaper than his mate. So uh, you can look to bring in. I would say that, unfortunately, Dylan Brown, at his current price... Look, I'd chuck a star on him, just in case something does happen to Mitchell Moses. But actually, no, you know what? No, he's a bust, because, again, I'd, I'd pick up Guffo if Mitchell Moses went down before I pick up Dylan Brown, I think. Okay, sweet as. We'll go with the bust and Dylan Brown. Look, I wouldn't be mad if someone had him in their round one team. I'd just ask why, you know. Um, so but but so for us from uh, being a bust, we'll just say he's a bust. Yeah. Moving on to, um, I think that's sort of the... Actually, no, we've got a couple more backs to look at, guys. We've got Bailey um, Simonson. So we're looking at a couple of the wingers. So we've got Bailey Simonson. 356k. Uh, his break evens 29. His 2021 average was 28.6 in 17 games, and he's a wing fullback. So he's coming over from the Raiders, as we mentioned earlier, and he'll start in Blake Ferguson's wing, we think. Um, so he'll average around 30 playing wing. Um, going back over the last few years, in 2021 he averaged 30 and a half. In 2020 he averaged 26. In 2019 he averaged 29.3. So. Um, uh, I actually had a look at where 
the Eels scored their tries. And I thought, why is Black Ferguson not scoring, you know, much for fantasy compared to Sevo? So they actually scored 46% of their tries on the left-hand side of the field versus 29% on the right-hand side of the field. So, you know, there's a 17% higher um, try rate on the left-hand, on Sevo's side of the field. Now, you could put that down to Sevo being an absolute weapon, or you can just say, you know, the halves just like to go left and it's just, a, you know, you got Papali'i on that left edge now, so it's maybe a more dangerous edge. Um, either way, if Simons is playing on the right-hand side, I'd sort of stick clear of him um, personally. I don't see him going backwards necessarily, but I don't see him going forwards um, at that price point. I think some people may be looking at him. There are other options around that price point. Um, Stephen Crine's sort of the first one off the top of my head. Oh, no, there's a whole raft of people. There's you, Rocco Berries that people are looking at. Uh, who else, Stu? Xavier Coates, uh, Jordan Pere- uh, Pereira over at the Broncos. Like, you know, you, you look at the, them and you just look at Xavier Coates playing at the Storm, right, who are likely to still have a bumper season while they've still got some players left in that team. Uh, and you just go... Look, there's Bailey Simpson. I guess he could have a breakout season, but I'm just I'm not seeing it there. I've got him as a bust. Mitch, I feel the same way as before. Parramatta's going to struggle. He's not going to have too many points, and I love your stat uh, with where the Eels are sco- uh, scoring all their points. I think that's fairly indicting. So he's got to be a bust. Yeah, I, I was pr- pretty proud of myself of that one. I, that you know, when you sort of you sniff something and it, and it comes to fruition. So yeah, that, that's just sort of how I feel about um, Simonson if he's on the right or any winger, particularly on the right hand side, um, relying on sort of attacking stats like I think Simonson is. So I think he's a certified bust. Um, we'll just touch on Marco Sivo quick, uh, quickly, even though he's got that ACL injury. Um, should we just dispatch him, actually? Oh, look, uh, uh, you just got to chuck a star in him. You don't know how he's going to come back at this point. Like, you, you've got some great things because, as you said, he he's he had a great 2021, 17 tries in however many games before he went down, which is great, and a century, which is huge, right, for a, <laughs> he, for a winger. He smashed the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, smashed the Broncos. As uh, Look, I'm stealing his stats here, Nick, but three tries, five lane breaks, 10 tackle breaks, 217 metres. That was in Darwin or something, wasn't it? They annihilated so. him up there. So, look, I would... Uh, but the answer is, as you said, we don't know how he's going to come back and that knee... As Mitch said, always needs a bit of things. So I think, uh, do you guys agree? Just put Chuck a star on him, just see how he goes. I mean, you certainly could Chuck a star on him, but once again, he's on an Eels team that's a bit stinky. So yeah, but, um, but at least it, at least it, we know that his base stats, right? Is that is his Sevo-esque? He at least runs the ball back. He'll get those base it, winger meters. That is true, but I think his ability to bend the line back will be severely hampered. I, I, I can't see. Maybe, maybe as a late-season pickup, but then just going back to the strength of schedule. Uh, they have a better yeah. run home. They have a reasonable run home, don't they? Yeah. 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 I, okay, all right. I can get on board with the Chucker star. Yep, yep. Yeah. I can get on board because with that. With the strength of schedule, that's fine. And he might be one of those guys, sometimes you know, you trade in two middle price players and he might pick up a cheaper Sevo because he might be just returning to form or coming off the bench or something like that, playing some shorter minutes, and then you go and grab a genuine gun with the other lot of money. So, yeah, I've, I've just got Sivers, Chaka Star. 
He, he might be a pod later in the year, guys, but um, maybe wait a couple of weeks even when he does come back. So we'll just We, we will be crossed in. if we see him round one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll call you out and post you on our socials if we see you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, players. We should not be starting a round one team headed by Mike Sevo. Hey guys, um, I think uh, other players being thrown around in the backs. Pays dunce to people looking at at the moment. Pass. Um, sorry. Pass. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, moving on to the forwards, guys. Um, the absolute revelation, I think, of last year, Isaiah Papali'i, seven hundred eighty-two k. His break-even is sixty-three. His twenty twenty-one average was sixty-two point eight in twenty-three games, which is Awesome for a forward, 23 games. He's got the DPP, guys, and his PPM elite 0.94. We love to see that. He was an absolute monster. So in 67.1 minutes per game, seven tries, seven line breaks. So the way I said, I'm pretty, I didn't watch all his tries, right? But I'm pretty sure all of his line breaks actually converted to tries, I think, which is pretty, pretty impressive, which just shows how powerful he is. Two try assists and five line break assists. 32 and a half tackles per game, 4.6 tackle bus, 2.1 missed tackles, and almost 150 running meters. So what that shows me, guys, is he's not super elite at one thing. So he's not dependent on one thing, which is really nice to have as a forward. Um, he, so he does have some of those attacking stat upsides as well as just a lot of grunt through the middle as well. So when he, when he played more than 60 minutes, guys, his average was... 71.1. When he Wee. played less than 60 Whoa. minutes, though, he averaged 47.3. So with his break, even at 63, if you can see him getting more than 60 minutes, um, 71.1 is his upside. 47.3, though, is his downside. And this is, I think, the best thing about him. All of his best scores came when he was starting second row. So a lot of these DPPs, guys, you see them, you know, playing lock, getting a better PPM, they go to the edge and it actually decreases by about a third, you know, 25% to 33%. That's not the case with Papali's. Actual best scores were coming when he was starting the second row. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, I didn't watch every Eels game, but I'm pretty sure he moved between middle and, uh, and edge and everything like that. But, you know, this is a really bright sort of player, which I think is being overlooked by a lot of fantasy owners at the moment. Um, Mitch, do you think he's a bit tempting? Oh, he's certainly a, a possible spicy pick as a season keeper. I I think uh, Isaiah Papali, I mean, I missed out on him last year. I just didn't think those performances could keep rolling on. And it killed me. I know Stu got him and, and that was a, a painful miss. But he's an elite player. Like if, Pen, if Parramatta rather are going to score points, it's off the back of this guy. And he can just a bit bit like Andrew, uh, sorry, not Andrew Fafita, David Fafita. He can get the job done by himself. As, as you said, he makes a line break. He's going to, he's going to get a meat pie. So um, if you're looking for an interesting player of difference that you keep for the season, certainly Isaiah is an option. I personally will be looking to pick him up mid season when I have a bit of cash to throw around. Uh, but, I do believe he'll probably most weeks get more than that 60 minutes and he'll be one of those top, top level mid to edge uh, forwards. So uh, I'd put him in the spicy category. He's being overlooked, guys. When you're looking at other players who are mids in particular at that price point, we've got Payne Haas, Cameron McInnes as well at 780k, I think a pop. Um, But as that properly, I'm not hearing anything about Stu. He doesn't... 
I don't believe he's eligible for Origin, is he? Um, he's a Kiwi, isn't he? Yeah, no, look, I, I don't think he's seen. He's not likely to play for sure. But he's... Um, look, I think he's a genuinely good player. I think the only risk with him, and the reason why I haven't got him as a boom pick, is mm-hmm. there is Sean Lane still lurking around. So he might, he might shuffle. So he might start off on the edge and then shuffle into the middle because Sean Lane doesn't perform at his best in the centre and neither does Ryan Madison, whereas probably he's a weapon. So he might fulfil that sort of roving role. The other one is is that he is off next year, so he's signed elsewhere. So the Good issue, point. The issue with that... That is an excellent point. Uh, and that's always that minor concern. Look, he's off to the Tigers... And look, I think the Tigers in 23, you know, with Api Corusau and Papali there, will be in a much better state of being. But so... You that, just... that kind of depends on if Madge is still there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if he's there, they'll be performing better, right, Mitch? No. Well, well if, he, if he's there, Papali might be on the wing. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's it. Might be running laps. So anyway, <laughs> you know... What we do know, though, is that like he's an elite player, and elite players are hard to keep down, right? Especially for teams who want wins. Very smart teams, they'll play them through the end. Like if you look at Penrith last year, they knew Matt Burton was going, and whatever else, they didn't care. They played him. So if they're a smart team, they will play him and get every ounce out of Isaiah Papali here and send his spent corpse off to West Tigers. So. I, I'm hoping he comes in and he's definitely a mid-season pickup. I will be looking forward to eagerly. So we're, we're putting him a slight tier below your Haas and McInnes, you know, big bopper. Uh, sorry, not McInnes obviously isn't big, but, you know, fantasy. You get hard, but... I, 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 I would seriously, I would seriously put Fancy him as... Fancy from round one. If, if you told me that he was getting 80 minutes on the edge like Angus Crichton every week, those two would be neck and neck for me, 100%. I would agree with that. I, I think they're pretty well the same ilk of player. And he's a really interesting player of difference, which, you know, is essentially why we have him as the spicy category. That's, that's why we have the spicy category. He's, I, I he's don't want to ruin. Pick. I don't want to ruin next week, but Angus Crichton's PPM is 0.75. It is. No, wow. it's not next week. It's tonight, mate. Hopefully you've done a write-up for him because he's in next. Oh, it's in the oh okay, cool. Okay, coming up. <laughs> Easy. Coming up next. <laughs> Easy. It is, but he plays the 80. That's the difference. So yeah, okay. looking at his okay. looking at his I Papali, if I've got it right here, uh he he had quite a few games where he was playing uh as a prop mid season due to uh uh rep duties for junior Paulo or things like that. So I would uh I would say that if he does get that consistency of role, like He'll he'll do really well. Okay, so we think he's very spicy. Super spicy. I'm very keen. Okay, guys. I wouldn't be mad if anyone had him. I just personally wouldn't. Um, anyway, moving on to Junior Paulo. Um, 569K, break even is 46. His 2021 average was 44 in 21 games, which is you know pretty good for a prop. And he's a mid, and his uh, PPM was 0.83. So um, his minutes were about the same, um, and he's benched for a couple of games. I'm I'm not quite sure. He was benched for near Corey and Kafusi. Maybe he's carrying an injury. Um, he's not really affected by tackle busts because he's got 1.6 tackle busts. 
Um, uh, the, the problem is with uh, Junior Paulo, and you might remember this from Josh Papali'i, is um, when he's playing more than 50 but less than 60 minutes, his average is 50.9. Um, but when he plays more than 60 minutes, his average was 48. So his average actually went down a little bit, the sort of the more minutes he played, which was a bit worrying for me. I like the PPM. You know, anything above 0.8 for a mid, I'm very excited by. My problem is, is I don't see extra minutes necessarily translating to better averages um, in terms of his form last year. So um, I'm not sure I'd pick him up later in the season because I don't necessarily see a huge upside um, unless there's obviously huge injuries and he needs to sort of bang out those harsh minutes. But um, at the moment, I've sort of got him as a bust, really. I don't see the upside there, and I don't really want to put him in my team later in the year. Mitch, would you even consider Junior Paulo round one? I don't think there's any value in Junior. I think he's a fantastic NRL player. He's going to be playing Origin, I would say. Uh, I can't... E- even if there were a slew of injuries, the big fella's not playing big minutes. He He's there for a good time, not a long time. So I, I think... For fantasy, he's a bust, but awesome player. Yeah. I would say that, I, look, he's got a little bit of an upside from that because uh, he's got a great offload, a genuinely great offload. Uh, so, and obviously the points for that going to hand have gone up this year to four points. So there is a little bit there, but it's not enough to take him. I think he's almost costed at full freight. So for me, he's a bust. He's very much like Daniel Saifidi, where... Look, if he was a bit cheaper and he didn't play Origin, you'd be all over him, but he's not, and he does. So, bust. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Stu. Two offloads a game, so you could see a bit of an uplift there of four points potentially, but, um, yeah, I don't... With Origin factored in as well, as you said, I've got him as a bust. Okay, oh. who's next? All round. Okay, guys. Uh, Dylan Brown, I mean, Nathan Brown, out of 582K. His break-even is 47. That was, that was intentional, by the way. He's 22 oh, no. on average, 45 with 22 games. He's a mid, and his PPM is 0.76, so, which is disappointing as a mid, guys. You really need to have someone on your side. The, the PPM does need to be better. So his minutes were actually, was actually down. So 2020, he was actually a stud. He averaged about 55 in 2020 in 64 minutes now he played four less minutes so um but his average went down by nine or ten ten even uh, when you when you put your round again and he didn't play the full 80 all year which is really worrying um he used to be one of those you know 80 minute locks i don't know if age is sort of getting to me though he had also um, had that busted ankle as well so it didn't help, he, help him yeah he, he's an absolute warrior like you can see whenever he's an injury I, he, he just plays through it that's for sure um the most worrying thing for me guys though is when he does get those minutes sort of same as junior paul when he does get those minutes over 60 his average was 48.8 in a 0.73 ppm versus 2020 where he averaged 58.8 so there's a 10 point reduction when you pay greater greater than 60 minutes which is pretty disappointing and it shows in his ppm I'm sort of thinking if he play if he if he gets 60 minutes at his lower PPM, I'm sort of thinking he's going to get 43.8, which is you know lower than his break even of 47. So I've got him as a bit of a bust and sort of on a. I mean, he's not old. I think he's 30. Is he guys? Look, but I think I think he's a bit of a worn 30. He plays tough, very tough in the middle, 
and I think he's just the legs aren't looking as good as they used to for him unfortunately he's just like a bit like Junior Paulo though obviously Junior's in a bit better nick I think Nathan Brown is fully priced Never mind, he's, he's 28, so he's actually younger than... than I was about to say that. I, I, I was just look. You, you took the words out of my mouth and I was looking going, gee whiz, the man's younger than me and uh, far out. Doesn't that make me feel good about myself? That's exactly what I needed tonight. <laughs> so... Man, I'm the same yeah. age as freaking Cam Smith, so don't... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Cam Smith and you, that, that's a bit of a closer one there, isn't it, really? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. I get, I get uh, you know, people ask me all the time, you know. Anyway, but uh, look, Nathan Brown, guys, do we see anything other than a bust here? Well, actually, no, no we do bust. see something other than a bust. Mitch called him a poop. <laughs> so, you know, Nathan Brown, if you're out there, Mitchell Brown... Your namesake uh, friend out here uh, has called you a literal turd. So sorry, bro. It's, it's I, 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 I have said nothing out loud. You said it's nothing out loud. It's, a, sorry, <laughs> it's not slander because it was written. That makes it libel. Anyway, <laughs> so he's libeled you. Sorry, mate. Oh, I was I was looking at the scores and sort of going, "Gee whiz, like this is not good. This is just absolute poop." Twenty eighties. You didn't call the You didn't call this. You know his stats are poop. You called the man a poop. So sorry, Nathan Brown. If you're listening out there, you know, let me know, mate. I'll send you some Starburst, and you can sort you know this what? out magic round. He, he he strikes me as someone who could who'd have a bit of a temper. That one that one's worse than Adam Thrill. Hundred percent. He's one of the angriest in the league, dude. All right, man. <laughs> add it to the oh, list, man. Nick. Add it to the list of people Mitch has insulted. It is. It is. We'll, we'll it have is. the day okay, of guys. reckoning up in Queensland. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, certified uh, Mitch uh, slander. Anyway, um, Ryan Madison, guys, 683K with a break even of 55. His 2021 average is 52.3 in 16 games. So he's at edge with a PPM of 0.76, which is, you know, very solid for an edge. And so he was concussed in round two versus the Storm. Uh, so that was uh, 18th of March, 2021. And he didn't actually return until the 1st of May, round eight. So he had a six-week layoff, which, um, you know, sort of, hurt fantasy managers last year. Um, Mitch, how concerned are we about uh, sort of his concussions and where he's at? Extremely concerned. Um, It's not the first. He had a a number, I think he had one or two in the 2020 season uh, that also hurt fantasy coaches. I'm pretty sure Stu was among them and I I got a nice little W over him because of it. I, I remember it distinctly and that's why, you know, I thought to myself, don't touch him this year and, you know... I did, and he burned me because when he came back, I, I did not feel like he was the same dude uh, on return. I think Isaiah Papali is a, is a superior player and why he'll probably pick up more minutes. I think, and I said it before, rugby league is a contact sport. He's eventually going to get hit in the head again. It will likely be as many rounds, if not more, the next time it happens. And we're seeing more and more of it, guys. One concussion leads to two. The time off starts to increase and, and it's starting to end in more and more retirement. So I'd be very, very cautious touching Ryan Madison. Ooh, okay. Sweet as. Well, um, so that, that has... I have him as a... Uh, if you like the casino, then roll the dice. So we're just going to bust him? No. Well, no, Nick. You've Look, mate, I know you, you've put something together for him. You make your case. Okay. Well, um, I don't think it's really much of a case, if I'm honest. That was sort of what I was going to say, guys. Um, 
if he plays 50 to 60 minutes, so um, too lazy, uh, didn't read, um, if he gets 50 to 60 minutes, he has significant downside, right? The average is around 39 in that role. You've got Sean Lane on the bench. You've got Papali'i being an absolute monster. So, And that's where his minutes were trending towards the end of um, the back half of the year. He wasn't playing 80 minutes. And he's also got the concussion risk. So you're taking on potentially a 15-point downgrade um, on his on his down um, on his bad sort of projection. I'm not overly um, excited about him, even if he plays 80 minutes. So um, I've got his probably the biggest bust of the night, guys. Yeah. Yep. Well, look, that's that's gross because yeah, if he returns, <coughs> sorry about that. If he returns to traditional meadow. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, got to add a Des Hasler. Give me one sec. Give him a rat. Give him a rat. <laughs> if he returns to uh, traditional Ryan Madison, like he could, he could turn to like a top five edge. So look, I can see why people are thinking they're hoping he returns to form. My concern for him, if nothing else, is that he uh, he has not been renewed at the Eels either. I'm pretty sure that he. Um, this is his last season at the Eels. I'm just going to look that up before I, I keep that up in stone. But I remember... It, 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 if it is, it's a good not sign by the Eels. I, I do like that from management because I think it's time he goes to the uh, nursing home of the NRL, which is to uh, England or or maybe yeah. joining Blake Ferguson oh. in... Um, Jail? Uh, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Mitch Brown saying that Ryan Madison got to jail for, jail for drug possession. There we go. But <laughs> yeah, so so guys, just just quickly, it's not all, all doom and gloom. If he does get the full eighty, he could average you know early sixties. So there is there is potentially you know a five to even ten point upside with the offloads because he's an offloader kind of guy. So um, there there is just significant variance between forty and you know sixty four. Yeah. In in his role this year. So at, from that point of view and that amount of money, I think he's got to be a bust. He's got to be a bust. And I will say, I have found it out, he activated a player contract in his favour to play on this year at the Eels, which means he's not getting better offers elsewhere. It also means that the Eels haven't decided to keep him on either. So that's, mm. yeah, he's big risk, guys. Bust. Okay, guys. Um, we'll, we'll get to the final player we have here for the Eels. We've got Reed Marnie or Mahoney. Um, his, his price is 780K. His break even is 63, and he averaged 61.2 in 2021 in 17 games. He's a hooker with a 0.83 PPM. So he's an absolute gun uh, last year. Price the same as Payne Haast, Kamakinis, and Azar Papali'i this year. So around that 780K. So in Austin 2021, as I said, in 16 games over 60 minutes, which is just to remove the injury-affected games, um, he averaged 63.7, um, which is very solid. It's uh, much better than his 2020, where he averaged 55.8 in similar sort of minutes. Um, 12 try assists sort of stand out with 12 line break assists. So uh, along with his, his work rate, 46.9 tackles. Um, about 40 run meters, and he does put the odd kick in, uh, 77 kick meters. Also, note he sort of also goes for 40 20s a little bit as well around the ruck. Um, sort of that second, third play, um, he can definitely you know slip one in, an, an early kick or a 40 20. 
Um, I'm quite concerned about his shoulder personally. Um, I, I know Mitch gave us a great rundown before saying um, it's very, uh, the way that the uh, surgery is. Um, Mitch, save me. Uh, I'll help you out, mate. Look, I actually might even, uh, I've got some software where I could probably wrangle up a video of how they how they do the Lattage, but effectively what they do is um, the shoulder joint, when we dislocate it, classically dislocates forward. So basically what they do is they get a bit of uh, bone and, and graft it onto the front of the shoulder to uh, make it so it's harder to go uh, forward and dislocate. And they also typically do what's called a tenodose tenodosis or tenodosis yeah that's right and uh change the attachment of the bicep so they basically create a mechanical block for the shoulder to not um continue to dislocate it, it is tough to dislocate a lot of i did see one um doing a bit of rugby union coverage last year and it it wasn't great but it, it really is sort of close to a one in 100 or one in 50 incident i am pretty confident reed will be okay um i wouldn't put my life on it but it's it's a good surgery. Um, if you're worried about that, uh, there are you shouldn't just, be worried there, about it by the sounds of it. There are just as many players to be worried about. Like I'd be worried, more worried about Ryan Madison. I'd be war, I'd be way more worried about Mike Acevedo coming back too early. Um, you might. There's a lot of people out there who will think, ah, oh, shoulder injury, no good. There are lots of different types of shoulder injuries, guys. This surgery is pretty darn effective. Um, you, you could. Pick a sneaky one here if you think uh, Reed Mahoney is, is going to be a bit better. Well, that's totally changed my perceptions. Stu, what do you think? Look, Reed Mahoney seems like a guy who's got quite a high upside. He cracked off 109 with only one try, round one last oh year. Goodness. Now, that was versus the Broncos, the 2021 Broncos. But then he, he next round, 75 versus the Storm, right? 59 tackles. Right, so he does not back down for good nor bad sides. Ninety-one versus the Raiders. Um, look and have a look through here. He had a bad. He got injured versus the Roosters. I think he got HI8 off. Um, but look, he does not back down. Uh, he plays well. So and that forty-four in that last game versus the Rabbitohs, uh, where he went off very sad with that shoulder injury. So look, he is a very stable guy. He could be a gun for your team. Uh, and he rivals Damien Cook, I think, for that best hooker for fantasy in the game role. Uh, I've Especially hearing how Mitch has gone with it and hearing how many tackles that Para are likely to do, he does not want to tackle. I would definitely say, <laughs> um, look, I put him as a spicy choice, assuming he passes trials. It's so, a lot of money, though. I Yeah, look, I, I, would, I would, as Stu said, watch him in the trials. Things we're looking for, guys... Is he landing on that shoulder comfortably, number one? Is he going in just as much with the bad shoulder as he is the good, particularly on those second trials? If the answer is yes, it's time to go. Time to pick him up. There we go. And though, who are they playing in that second trial? I almost think that they're playing Penrith at Penrith for that second trial. We might need to take a trip up, boys, down the M4. So, but anyway, because because then we could give the uh, give the review up straight, or at least at least come and go and watch it somewhere. But you just uh, want to see your 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 boys play for, for the first do. time in a long time. They'll, they'll have the trophy, <laughs> mate. Exactly. It's been a couple of years since I've been out to Penrith. So, look, I guess guys, uh, I would say that he's definitely a spicy choice, assuming there. But really, if we're saying watch him in the trials, he's a chuck a star, isn't he? Yeah, I'm chucky a star. 
I, I think he's a chuck a star just because I think at that price point, not quite yet. He's probably for me a mid-season pick just because there are other people I want to cash in on now so I could get a Reed Marnie uh, later on in the piece. But, you know, I, I'm, I personally am not worried about his uh, injury and I've just found um, a couple of good videos to show you guys later um that sort of will illustrate how the latage works but um as i said they're, they're effectively cutting a bit of the bone of the shoulder blade off and they use it as a mechanical strut and i, I believe they did a tenodesis on him as well which sort of involves choosing the bicep tenders as another functional mechanical strut so you know as i keep saying well maybe, he, he could be an interesting pick well maybe mitch we can uh put that up on the um facebook page and um you can just do sort of just a little little write-up for it and we'll, we'll let everyone know what's happening about there about Reed Marnie. Yep, sounds good. Sweet as. All right, so look, that takes us to the end uh, of our session here. So let's go through our list here. We have no one in the boom category, unfortunately, guys, uh, because Will Penasini, who was probably our closest choice, got moved to the spicy, along with the 782,000-point Isaiah Papali'i. Uh, we have Chuck of Stars on it for Mitch Moses. Uh, if he takes a dip in price or uh, sort of really gets going. Mike Acevo for uh, when he returns, if he drops a bit of coin. And Reed Marnie uh, just for a bit later on in the season as a quality player. And I guess making sure that uh, his shoulder is 100% in the trials. And unfortunately, guys, we've got a bust for Dylan Brown, Clint Gutherson, uh, Junior Paulo, Nathan Brown all based on a price basis. We have Ryan Madison due to uh, concerns over role in that HIA and Bailey Simonson just due to the fact that there's so many better options out there. So, guys, that's the end of our fantasy-relevant fantasy list. And please let us know in the comment, guys, uh, you know, if you think we missed anyone important. But I, I think uh, Nick did a pretty comprehensive job there. So uh, let's get to the ladder positions. So, guys, uh, I think I went first last time. So, let's go with uh, Mitch. Mate, yep. where have you got Parramatta this year? Uh, look, I, I did have them in a slightly different spot, but after Nick's strength of schedule uh, comments, I actually made a quick shift. I've got the Eels in 10th. I, I have oh. them missing the 8. <laughs> uh, and I'm willing to put a sandwich on it because they're a year older, as I said, on the and on the wrong side of a year older. They're missing two key players which turn their fortunes around as far as their attack and their ability to make uh, field position in uh, Mike Acevo and, and Blake Ferguson. I think they've got a good halves pairing, but not a great halves pairing, certainly not a standout halves pairings like some of the other teams. I just look at that schedule and go, man, oh man, where are the wins going to come from? And... Um, I can't see them finishing any higher than tenth. I think that's that's right where they are. I've got them just above your sharks, Nick. Oi, there you go. Uh, okay, m- my, my sharks are making the top eight. Thanks, mate. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, 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 so maybe, maybe, maybe just tenth? above. <laughs> Nick, yeah, where have you got exact- them? Exact same as Mitch for all the same reasons. Where have you got Stu? Okay, look, I've got him a seventh. Uh, I still think uh, just my reasoning comes with, look, Mitch Moses and Dylan Brown are one of the better quality halves pairings. Uh, And even as far as coverage, uh, they cover well for each other to play the game. Uh, If one's out, then they step up. Plus, you've got Gutho there. There are almost no rep players in this team as well. Junior Paulo will play, right? Maybe Gutho if there's a few injuries, but he didn't even play last year. So they're 
they're going to come out of the origin uh, side better than most, uh, which is great for them. And I think they've, as much as anything else, they're a tough team, right? Like they just, they went through last year, they lost a bit of their, their attacking spark sort of later in the season, but they, they still found a way to win some of those games and keeping close with the top teams, even if they didn't always win. So I've, I've got them around that seventh mark. But look, yeah, know. nice. Um, uh, the the other thing we haven't touched on actually is the coach uh, Brad Arthur. There's a bit of um, uh, talks that he may not see out the year during the year because they'll sort of underperforming a little bit. So I suppose it might be a make or break kind of year for him, isn't it? That's an interesting one because look, they've they've sort of been on the cusp of a contender season for a couple of years now, but mm. they haven't quite delivered and. Look, I think as much as anything, I hate to place it all in the hands of a couple of players, but look, Mitchell Moses, I think, is a good player, but I don't think he'll he's be necessarily one of the greats. Um, he's got sort of two thirds of that particular toolkit. Um, the other one that I would say there is that, um, like I guess next year they lose Reed Marnie, they lose Isaiah Papali'i, and they get. Uh, Josh Hodgson, who's on sort of, sort of quite a fair bit older from uh, from the Raiders, and that's about it. So I think that yeah, if they don't perform this year, there'll certainly be hard questions asked. Yeah, a lot of lot of pressure, and I think they're going to buckle anyway. Um, so uh, moving on, uh, what have we got next year? Next we have the Roosters, so a team that went through the ringer last year. They just absolutely got hammered by medical injuries. Uh, well, medical injuries. <laughs> like I- injuries and other medical issues. <laughs> I just realised that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are on the ball. Uh, and uh, also by suspension, you know, Victor Radley going ballistic. Um, Trent Robertson going off in a couple of games. Rules changes because of that. Um, things like that. So, look, we have, uh, like, if you remember the knees in the back for Paul Drew Hutchinson. So, look, let's go through the team additions this year. So, look, they got Connor Watson from the Knights, who had his breakout year last year. Uh, they got Rene Fatoni from the Bulldogs, a bit of a depth signing, I think. And they got Paul Momorowski as a premiership winner from the Panthers, returning to where it all started after he's been through, I think, three teams in three years. And he's now back at the Roosters and look this year they've looked the losses they stack up pretty high so they've lost the Morris brothers Josh and Brett Morris to retirement and injury really like for in um, Brett Morris's case uh, Jake Friend through retirement HIA Boyd Corner retirement HIA Dale Copley retirement's uh, old I guess and they've also lost two players to other teams Matt Ikevalu who has gone off to the Sharks, and Isaac Lear, who has gone off to the Titans. So, guys, having a look at that list, how are we feeling about the Roosters' pick-up and drop-offs? Yeah, I think overall a better team. I know that they've lost some absolute giants of the club in Jake Friend, Boyd Cordner, uh, and, of course, more recently, the Morris boys, and a lot of experience goes with that. But, you know, I, I jokingly made a bit of a joke about the... Uh, 
Roosters medical staff. These guys were just totally busted. It was time for them to go, and they've been able to sort of add in uh, some good talent. I think Connor Watson's a good pickup. I think Paul Momorowski's good coverage at the center position. Um, it, it's pretty insane to say, but I think a team that managed to find its way uh, to the the top six last year has managed made some minor upgrades uh, to an already very strong uh, seventeen. Yeah, Nick. What... Yeah, yeah, to- totally agree. I think um, they brought in some younger guys for once. You know, they've been bringing in veterans. It feels like for the last you know two three years to keep this um, premiership thing going. And you know, Connor Watson sort of in his prime, and Paul Mavrovskis as well as in his prime. Probably um, to their but... mistake, right? Like that's where a lot of those injuries were coming from. I think they they rolled the dice on experience over. Um over youth and and effectively played the price uh, i think they've lost some of the better years of some of their absolute stars just because they there weren't enough uh men to sort of get the team over the line so hopefully this year for the roosters um they get the formula right that's it no definitely and i i feel there that they'll be benefit from those injuries that happened last year because they blooded a lot of these younger players when there was no other footy being played in australia or at least in the Great southern point. states, so that is a very good point. You, you've had um, you had guys like even uh, Lachlan Lamb, right? Like and guys like that who might be sort of second, third string. Uh, ben Marshke, uh guys who weren't even top thirty. They've now played NRL, where you have got a lot of these other younger fellas coming through in these other teams. They just have not if they haven't been playing in Queensland. So. Uh, I think they'll benefit from that, and I think they'll also benefit from if there are some injuries, they'll have guys who have proven they can step up. So, uh, look, and that's that's worth a bit. But look, let's look into the injuries that remain in that team after all those medical retirements. Mitch, take us away, mate. Uh, okay, so got a couple of the same injuries here. So first up, we've got Lindsay Collins, ACL. He's predicted to return in the trials. He has had plenty of time to rehabilitate. Uh, we'll be close to 11 months by the first game of the season. He might have a slight drop in performance early due to a loss of match fitness, uh, but honestly, lower injury risk. Would look to pick up rounds two or three if you're interested. Uh, if you wanted to go round one, have a good look at the trials. If you like what you see, I wouldn't have any problems with you picking him up from the get-go. So largely a, a reasonable fantasy pickup from an injury standpoint. The big one, probably the most interesting one of the Knights, Luke Keery. So he is coming off an ACL as well. Once again, predicted to come back in the trials. He has again had plenty of time to recover, almost that ideal 12-month time period that I like. So with regard to that, I would think the ACL, he'll be good to go. Main issue is the repeated concussions and just injuries across the board. He's had a really tricky time trying to stack matches together. The huge question mark uh, is that match conditioning and possibly further injury risk. And he really strikes me as a a younger sort of Wade Graham-esque player. He has ridiculous levels of talent, but um, the, the potential, once again, for a repeated concussion, to me, makes him feel like an absolute fantasy stay away. He's a considerable injury risk. He'll likely need to play himself into the season. He is behind one of the best forward packs and sides in the competition. If you like what you see and you're willing to have a bit of a punt, he could be an interesting player of difference. But as an injury standpoint, um, I would be very reluctant to roll the dice on Luke Keery. 
Billy Smith, he's coming off a Liz Frank injury. Once again, slated to return in the trials. He has had plenty of time to recover. It's typically about a six-month time of recovery at most. Main concern is loss of conditioning with time spent in that uh, cam boot. The midfoot is an extremely joint, important joint for force production, speed, and agility. But I would certainly think that with the time he's had off, as long as he passes the eye test in the trials, um, he should be okay to pick round one. Joseph Swaley, much the same. Again, sustained a Liz, Eng- Liz Frank injury. He hasn't had any significant complications of late with that injury. Uh, has had a good amount of time to recover. The big thing about Joseph is he is quite young. Certainly, if I had anything to do with it, I would be easing him right into this um, uh, this injury and back into the season. And I'd look to certainly recondition him and make sure that perhaps even that I could put a bit more size on him before I let him out there. Uh, he likely will start round one. I personally would hold him back. Um, from an injury risk standpoint, he, he's quite low risk. Uh, I have other opinions from a fantasy point of view, not because I don't think he's a good player. Uh, I just think he should be eased in just because of his age and his ability, and he may well be. And as a result, um, he, his early performance uh, rounds one through three or four might be might be reduced and potentially his role. Uh, that's, that's good to know, Mitch. Uh, yeah, and, and definitely he might spend a bit of time uh, playing for uh, the North Sydney Bears, I'm pretty sure, as their feeder team. So you never know. He, we might see uh, Joseph Sawali uh, blowed up in the Bears early on the season. guess we'll wait for trials, right? Um, okay, Nick, did you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I, yeah, I'll touch on it later, just about Joseph Sawali, but he's a big boy. Right. Um, just looking at his dimensions, um, he's reportedly 6'5", <laughs> 105 to 110 kilos. That's Turbo-esque. No, no, no. That's bigger than Turbo. That's bigger than GI. That is Daniel Tupo size. He he is going to and be... he's 18. He's, he's going 18. to be... An, yeah, I know. He's going to be an NRL beast. But he needs to grow into that body. He actually needs to develop a sense of how to move and play the game. I, I would go easy just one more year. They they made a real mistake playing him last year. That was, in my opinion, irresponsible. Uh, and the NRL should have stopped it. Um, I would wait one more year. Yeah. Well, you know don't, he's bigger don't, than Flau? Don't, don't well. ruin the party. He's bigger than peak Flau. Like, what on earth? Interesting. So, yeah, and look, so I, I, what does that I, mean for his sure list that... rank, Mitch? As far as his size? Yeah, like a quick. So, apparently, he's just stacked it on in the offseason. He's clearly growing still, I'd say. Like, what does that mean much for his injury? Uh, it certainly will neither hinder or, or improve the injury. Um, you know, nothing like a bit of growth hormone, I suppose, but. His um, <laughs> natural his growth hormone. <laughs> natural growth hormone. Natural growth hormone. He he's in protein shake corner. Let me put it to you that way. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, what it would indicate to me, I mean, look, with the Liz Frank, you're only in the boot for sort of six to eight weeks. A lot of the the longer term recovery, as far as conditioning and speed goes, is that you just got to work your way into it. So you theoretically could be doing upper limb work the whole time, so that wouldn't impede any lifting there. And then your lower limb stuff, you could you could resume sort of in some way or another um, at sort of the the week 10 to 12 mark and, and heck the other leg you could be training the whole time with leg extension and leg curls so yeah. you know i wouldn't take too much in look too much into the size 
and how that impacts on the injury. What I want to see is can the man run and step? And as I keep saying, he's young and he's definitely going to be a star. Just give him one more year to learn how to play with that body. Otherwise, you're going to end up breaking him and it'd be a real shame. Yeah, a couple of years of uh, early turbo would not be great. Um, That's sort of what I'm uh, insinuating. Fair mm. enough. All right, Nick, schedule, Roosters. What are we looking at? Hey, guys, this is probably the weirdest uh, one I've looked at. So they've got the sixth hardest schedule in the league with the buy round 17. Now, why it's so weird is because actually the sixth easiest run to round 13 and the fourth easiest run to round 18. So you say to me, Nick, why do they have the sixth hardest schedule in the league? Well, they've got a horror origin a horror origin run. So round 13, they've got the Raiders away. They've then got the Storm at home. They've then got the Eels away. Then they've then got the Panthers away. So so the way that that's whole weighted within the way I've done it has mean that overall they're sixth hardest. So if you say to yourself, so if they pick up wins then, then really they may have one of the easy schedules in the league theoretically. So, you know, that four-week period could really make or break their season from them being who I think will be the minor premiers or not. Um, from uh, So on either side of this origin period, they've got a really nice run from round four to round 10. Now sit down, relax, just, just enjoy this. Cowboys, round four. Broncos, round five. Warriors, round six. Dragons, round seven. Bulldogs, round eight. Titans, round nine. And then the Eels in round 10. So... I just think that is like one of the nicest stretches I've ever seen um, when looking at it overall. I know the Eels round 10 isn't great, but it's at home at least. So if you're going to verse the Eels, you may as well verse them at home. They have an awkward run, run home in that they've got the Broncos round 21, Cowboys round 22, and the Tigers round 23. Thumbs up, happy days, champagne's popping everywhere. But then you have Storm round 24 and bunnies round 25 so um when you're looking at picking up guys just for that you know post origin period you go cool 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 they're gonna go well go well go well but then they might hit a grinding halt in the last couple of games when you desperately need them to either pick up points in your in your overall or to win you that match up in head-to-head for your finals Mm. that's yeah really good interesting point there because the storm a notorious round 25 uh, you know, uh, resters of players, but round 24, I reckon they'll be playing full freight, especially versus the Roosters. So, are we sh- are we sure the Rabbitohs are a good team this year? Yep. Uh, I'm uh, confident. I'm not as confident, I'll be honest with you, but uh, it's one of those ones where I don't think that they're a shocking team. So no, but but what I would say is I see three wins, four wins there, possibly five out of five. Like if 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 the if the Roosters have Luke Keary in round twenty five, they're winning all five all five of those games with this team. I think when you look at the South of last year, their defense was pretty mean. Like they tackle hard, they hit hard, they turn up. So they got fifty I, points know. put on them by both the Storm and the Panthers, though, as well. Though they did improve from there, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've got the I've got the back few games of the year in my head when they actually really showed up and you know put put it together to make that run to the grand final. You know, true. That's very true. Um, Look, no, that that's good to know, and I guess yeah, that that origin period it really could depend because like the Raiders, um, the Raiders they'll be without their origin side, whereas maybe Jack Whiten's missing, 
for the Raiders. That's about it. Um, then you got, yeah, the Storm, round 14. Well, both are affected by Origin. That's depending on who backs up where. Um, the Eels, they won't be affected by Origin, but Panthers, round 16. Again, they could be, as you know, because there's that uh, Origin in the middle as well, that standalone. So, you know, Cleary could be out or busted or tired. Um, Luai, the same. Well, seven Panthers, I think, last year. So, who knows that, what, uh, what that origin period looks like for them. But look, that thanks for that, Nick. So, yeah, they could uh, they could really perform up or perform they, down. They could be missing their own players, uh, quite a few of their own potentially as well, you know. Oh, that's true. I guess you got... Um, because Tupu played last year, didn't he? As well as uh, Tedesco. Eddie, Crichton. Crichton, um, Radley's been on the fringes for years. Collins. Yeah, that's true. Um, Keary, potentially. Um, you know. Yeah, I, I guess we'll get to where I think that... Uh, uh, where a couple of those players are at. But uh, in in the next round. But look, let's, let's go through the top 17. And then we can crack into the fantasy relevant players. So that... Uh, our respective spouses won't yell at us too much for the having to listen length of this podcast twice, as they said the <laughs> other day. What once at home and once again listening to it live. So, uh, look, let's go through the uh, starting seventeen. So at fullback, it's pretty easy. James Tedesco on the wing, Daniel Tupu, and I've got here Joseph Suwali at this stage. At, uh, but again, that could change. He could always end up in Reggie's. So we got Paul Momorowski and Joey Manu, who is back from that awful face injury uh, at centre. Uh, we have in the half Sam Walker, who's a pretty dead certain to start, and Luke Keary, who's back. At 8 and 10 in the props, we have Jarawira Hargraves and Lindsay Collins. With look, I've got their top seventeen. Sam Verrills is betting down there, but for round one he is suspended and will likely be replaced by Connor Watson. Uh, on the edges, I have Angus Crichton and Satili Tupania. I have uh, Locke Victor Radley, Victor the Inflictor, as people like to say. I have the Mister Fixit for twenty twenty two. Connor Watson at fourteen, and the rest of the bench is Cesar Dauhiako. Egan Butcher, Nat Butcher. So the two Butcher brothers uh, ran out the bench over there. And out of the other guys in the team, they've got a pretty deep um, back line and half pairing. So they've got Drew Hutchinson on the bench there somewhere. Adam Kieran, who uh, played a fair bit of center as well as uh, dummy half when needed to last year as a bit of an ace goal kicker. They had Freddie Lussick in there at some point. Uh, they've bought uh, Kevin Nakama from uh, back from overseas, uh, from the UK Super League. They got Billy Smith, who we talked about earlier, who you know could make a crack towards the centre, especially if he's kicking goals. And they also got Lachlan Lamb, who got really unlucky last year, where he just he got his start at number six, got busted during the year. Sam Walker turned up, he didn't really make it back. See you, might. Yeah, a real rough one. Apart from when Drew Hutchinson got some knees to the knees to the or ribs to the lungs, really. So yeah, that was, that was sickening that one. Well, that that was not good. I can see why they cracked down after that one. Like the head high was a fiasco, but the late hits, I totally agree on for that. No, that was really that, bad. That that as far as injuries goes, guys, like you know, 
the occasional head high hit is going to happen. It's rugby league. You've got big men going fast, but the late hit, like effectively it uh, ruined Jonathan Thurston's last two or three years and probably stunted Greg Inglis's uh, last five. So it has to go from the game. I'm sick of seeing good players um, get taken out to cheap shots like that. And that, that, that injury could have been quite serious. Um, it already was, but it could have been super, super serious. Um, so got to go. Mm. So, look, let's let's kick us off because uh, uh, the first guy off the rank is a guy that I would like both uh, Nick and then Mitch to go through uh, for different reasons. James Tedesco. Take us away, Nick. Hey, guys. We're, uh, James Tedesco, 695K with a break-even of 56. In 2021, he averaged 58 in 20 games and is a wing fullback. So when you, he had a couple of uh, injury games, I think, um, whether it was a head knock or something like that. I can't remember. But he averaged 60.7 with 7.2 tackle pass. So in the new scoring, that brings him back down to 53.5. Now, um, I was sort of thinking, what's the upside here for James Tedesco? Now, Luke Keary went down in round three. But when he played with Luke Keary for those three rounds, he averaged 66.3. So when you take into account his tackle pass, it's actually around an average of 60. So with a break-even of 56, there is potentially some upside with some synergy back with his halfback, Luke Keary, who he's played with for a, for a number of years now. Um, in 2020, he averaged 65.7 with 7.4 tackle busts. So that sort of brings him back to 58.3 with the new scoring. So when you sort of combine his synergy with Keary and, you know, his base from 2020, I sort of see him averaging 59. Um, being more of a ball runner, scoring more tries rather than taking on more playmaking responsibilities with having sort of a Luke Keary. So rather than getting those, you know, line break assists and try assists and things like that, I think one game he might have had even five try assists. He, he, he should be scoring a lot more tries and breaking the line more, which is worth uh, m- many more points um, than setting them up for someone else. So I've got, you know, an average of 59. So he plus, you know, I've got 59 plus, not... At 59 down so um, I've got him quite spicy really um, having a look at it uh, Stu what do you want you want Mitch to have a crack uh, look uh, the other day we had a bit of a thing about uh, Teddy having some stem cells you know injected you know possibly like Christopher Reed. so I uh, yeah Mitch I know that you had a few opinions about that sort of injury and what that might mean for him so take us away yeah, happy to do so, mate. So, we, we look, there are two things. Um, I don't have a strong or damning opinion on this as I did um, with Jared Croker. With knee injuries, guys, I, I do take what I see on the field fairly seriously. And I didn't see a major impediment with Tedesco's ability to run. So, first off the bat, I would say um, that... He, this may be more a precautionary sort of thing or a niggling sort of issue uh, and possibly to avoid a, a more invasive or larger clean out of that cartilage. Uh, the thing about stem cell surgery, and I said it with Jared Croker, is that it's largely not supported by any great medical evidence. We're not sure if it even works. But so effectively what we're doing is we're injecting uh, stem cells into the cartilage and effectively hoping for it to um, differentiate into cartilage. And, and for the most part, the, the top knee specialists I've spoken to uh, over the last three or four years basically think that the cells die on injection. So when you're doing it un- at the elite level, two or three percent is a big deal. But when we're doing it, we're really basically scraping the barrel as far as treatment goes. My opinion is 
watch and see what happens in the trials just to see if he is James Tedesco where he's running a little bit differently and that's certainly what I'll be looking for but really for James when they're doing that sort of surgery uh, and I know he had it three or four years ago and it was quite successful but I would sort of um, point to other interventions that sort of more likely made the difference is that his long or even midterm prognosis over the next two three years to me looks pretty bleak so have a look at him in the trials if he looks good I would say he should be okay to pick, but he could very well go down or just start to deteriorate as the season goes on uh, based on that knee injury. But if I was looking for a period of concern, I would be thinking mid to late 23. I think he he's a ticking time bomb, but maybe not this year, just based on the fact the end of last year, we would never have known. And say with Jared Croker, it was pretty bloody obvious the man had a sore knee. So that's sort of my two cents on that. There we go. Okay, so... Uh, yeah, uh, worries, but no, nothing, uh, no, nothing significant for the moment. Interesting. Not, not for twenty twenty two, but we'll have a look in the trials. I, my best guess is he'll be okay, um, at least for the start. There you go. Okay, that's good to know. Look, I'm a, I'm a Tedesco fan. I had him in my team to begin with last year, and he did start off pretty slowly. And I guess built into it as the season went on. I got a bit sad when people got on for a bit under 600K when I paid full freight round one. My mistake. But um, look, I kept him all season. He did all right for me. Uh, the I have him uh, as a... Look, I think that the ghost points have gone for Tedesco. I think the tackle bus nerf hurts. I think for your 695k, you might find a bit of better value out there. I think the days of having him as your captain or backup captain might be gone. I still think he'll probably he'll end up as one of the top five or so fullbacks, but I think that he might, um, especially with the games that he might miss via Origin, via a head knock, via an injury, he might be at the lower end of that uh, five rather than at the top end. So, yeah, for me, at best, I can do a spicy. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, spicy choice for me would be the best I can give him. I would have okay, to guys. say, I'd have to say yeah. Chuck a star. I've got him as spicy, so two versus one, we've got him as spicy. There you go, guys. Um, on to uh, an equally risky type of player or um, I don't know, maybe even more risky. Luke Keery, 750K, guys. His break-even is 60. His 2021 average was 63.3 in those three games before he went down with his ACL, and he's a half. So in three games, uh, he had 2.3 tries per game. Um, one line break assist, nearly 20 tackles, 76 run meters, 340 kick meters, um, which will see him lose about uh, five points. In, from the Cleary nerf. Now, I was sort of wondering about Cleary's kicking stats because um, he's sort of not... Because Sam Walker's going to be there, right? Not Kyle Flanagan, who he played with in 2020. Because in 2020, Luke Cleary kicked 174 kick metres and Kyle Flanagan actually took 257 kick metres back when Stu was sort of, you know, waving the Kyle Flanagan banner. Um, but last year, what happened is... Sam Walker took on 146 kick metres versus Drew Hutchison's 330. So um, my question would be, is Kiri going to walk into the Drew Hutchison kick metres? Is Sam Walker going to assume those kick metres? I'm not entirely sure. 
So, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt, let's just assume he takes over Drew Hutchinson's 330 kick metres. Um, so that's just one thing to keep in the back of our heads, guys. In, 200, in 2020, he averaged 44.2 with 174 kick metres, as I said. Um, he scored, you know, a try every second game, you know, a try assist pretty much every game, um, which awesome attacking stats. So I honestly have no idea where they're getting these uh, break-evens from. Uh, it's it's um, because they're working off last year and he had an absolute, absolute stellar start to last year. He was worth around that when he got busted. And the issue was is that he got busted in the middle of that. You know that hot streak the Roosters went on early? They scored, you know, we're winning 30 points to six. They were, um, all the Morris brothers were on fire. Everyone was still fit. No ACLs yet. And that's when he got all his points. And I think, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's priced into his uh, his opening start point, which I think is pretty gross. Yeah, I'll... All in all, um, I've got him averaging sort of high 40s based upon where I think his stats will be at, guys. Uh, Mitch, are you you feeling great about this prospect? Yuck. Wouldn't touch him. (laughs) Bust. Bust. Um, Bust. Just the the injury risk alone. Even if he was the best player in the league, I wouldn't touch him. Yeah, and I th- really, I, I, I think that the the early Roosters last year were playing out of their skin. They were playing at hundred and five percent, right? Which is possibly part of the reason for all those injuries. These guys were just going absolutely ballistic, and Kiri was the main instigator and recipient of a lot of those people doing really well. So I think, yeah, this year I think that he's just is gonna take a breath. I think he'll come down to a reasonable point. But, yeah, unfortunately, especially early on, bust. Okay, guys, if he's around 600K, he might be worth some value. But um, if you have him round one, that is a Grim Reaper. That's a signature Grim Reaper, I repeat. <laughs> hey, guys, moving on, Joey Manu, 590K with a break-even of 47. He averaged 48 in 2021 and 23 games. So he's a bit of an Ironman. He's got the DPP center wing of fullback. He fell victim to Latrell smashing his face in, um, which was... Pretty, pretty horrendous, really. Um, it was a bit of a Mr. Fix-It in, along the back line. He played centre, full-back, 5'8", winger. Guys, his centre average is 41.8 with 3.8 tackle busts in there. So we're looking at a 38 average at centre. The reason why his break-even so high is because when he played full-back, he averaged nearly 60, right, with 6.3 tackle busts. You know, and they were against trash teams, so Knights, Titans, Bulldogs, and Cowboys last year. Mm. So, you know, if he's playing fullback, he might average low 50s or so. Um, but in the centres, we're sort of thinking high 30s. Um, 5'8", he averaged 53. Winger, he averaged 67. So when he actually goes to winger, guys, he turns into pretty much Brian Toa. He, he just absolutely gobbles up the metres, 268 per game. Um, I know it was only two games, but he's against the Eels and Panthers, who aren't, who aren't slouches necessarily. Um, but he just absolutely just carves it up with the run meters. So if there's an injury, guys, and he needs to fill in at wing or at fullback, I'm in. Sign me up. I'm, I'm bringing him straight in. But where he's projected to play at center, unfortunately, I'm sort of projecting him around 38. Um, Stu? 
Yeah, no, Joey Manu is the guy I will say chuck a star on. If there's an injury back there, Teddy's out. Um, Kiri goes out. Well, less so Kiri, but definitely if uh, Teddy goes out or there's like some major issues at the club, he he will be there. I think he's he's got great talent. I think he's... I know why that he probably wanted to stay at a very successful club at the Roosters rather than go off somewhere and be less successful. Uh, but I really wish that he had his chance to shine somewhere else. So for me, he's Chuck a star. You're chucking a star. On Joey Manu, 100%, because at some point you, you're just waiting. You're waiting for him to turn into Mr. Particularly, particularly on a team where, as I said, I think Tedesco's a low risk of being a problem this year or a low to moderate risk, but it could happen. I, I can't see how you could anything be anything but a chuck a star on it because of those stats when he's in fullback. It's yeah. you look, You've look. you made your own argument there. Yeah, all five eighths. Uh, I'd, have or... a, I'd have him a bust unless he's playing winger or fullback. Yeah, That's why exactly. he's a chuck a star because you could wait because he could be there. Yeah. Okay, guys. Okay, we'll and chuck a star and, and wait and see. Because he will drop coin. According to your stats there, he'll drop money. Well, if you, if you have him round one, he's a grim reaper with Luke Kiry because he's going to lose you a whole bunch of cash. Yes. That's right. 100%. But it's, so he's a chuck a star. You just wait. Hey, guys. Sit, sit and wait. And, um, but Especially if you, play if you hate though, the uh, Roosters medical staff as much as uh, Mitchell Brown does. <laughs> <laughs> and, you th- and you think that they're terrible for the team and they'll ruin... The lifespan of players. And Mate, I'm not the one giving him hocus pocus stem cell injections. All right. <laughs> are they? Um, are they trying to bring the salary cap down for him? <laughs> oh, okay. For legal reasons, that's most definitely a joke. So <laughs> that was the best one of the so far, though. It was. It was. But like, uh, you know, clubs. Clubs get a bit cranky about that sort of thing. So, look. Definitely. Yeah, Nick, Nick's the one in real trouble. That, <laughs> I, might get, I might get beaten up, but he'll have a lawsuit. <laughs> okay, guys, moving on. We've got, we've got Sam Walker next. The prodigy is 476K. His break-even is 38, and he averaged 39.4 in 2021 in 19 games as a half. Uh, he suffered the right AC joint, uh, 12th of June in round 14 versus the Titans, and he wasn't quite the same. Um, when you remove his injured slash interchange guy interchange games, he averaged forty two point one in eighty minutes. Kicked a couple of goals, couple of line break assists, some tackles, sixteen point four tackles, couple of, couple of tackle busts. He's a small bloke, so he misses three point six missed tackles per game. So he's got Everyone to do that. Ben Hunt. Everyone ran yeah, well, him. Yeah, he's, he's got that Ben Hunt fever about him, boys. Um, he, he's, he, he runs the ball a little bit, 66.4 metres per game, 146.6 kick metres, as I mentioned earlier. A couple of forced dropouts. Interestingly, guys, he actually has 0.4 kick diffusals per game. So every pretty much every second game he's diffusing a kick. So he, I know he passes the eye test, but he also has this feel for the game. He just knows where to be to clean up. It reminds me a lot of Jonathan Thurston in that way. Um, now, going through the goal-kicking contenders, guys, I did a bit of a deep dive. Uh, Sam Walker, he kicked 54.8%, which is pretty trash. Yeah. Um, his expected percentage was 71.4. So, you know, it's a 16% uh, downgrade. Teddy, absolute shocking 38.5%. <laughs> uh, he had hard kicks, though, so they were from the sideline, I imagine, 63.3%, but he missed pretty much all of them. 
Adam Kieran, who's meant to be this sharp shooter, guys, uh, 72.9%, which isn't great in terms of where the league should be um, if he's meant to be the sharpshooter, but they were hard difficulty at 66.8. So he was the only one with a positive um, kick defusal. Um, no, sorry, I'm wrong. He actually did, he had the best um, positive differential in terms of his percentage and his expected percentage. Um, and to our uh, Tokiahu at 78.1% uh, goal kicking, though he's a forward and he's not always on the uh, field the whole time. So he had a, um expected uh, kicking percentage of 73.6, so it's a positive four and a half. So in terms of ranking, we've got Kieran, Takiaho, uh, Walker, and then Tedesco. But, guys, they have recruited Paul Momorowski. So I don't have the expected percentage difficulties, but he kicked 75% in 2019 for the, with, with the West Tigers in 28 attempts, which is a few kicks. So... Um, based on Takiyaho not being on the field the whole time, I'm sort of thinking that Paul Momorowski will get the kicking duties, which will take away from Sam Walker's um, uh, kicking um, and his average a little bit. So um, I'm sort of thinking with goal kicking, 37.7 average, without goal kicking, 35. So he's pretty fairly priced if he was goal kicking, which I think will be taken away from him. So I'm not sure we even want to chuck a star assuming Kiri takes on the goal kicking. However, sorry, not the goal kicking, the, gen- the general play kicking. If he takes a more general play kicking, there is upside there um, potentially. So I th- I'm not going to bust him straight out. I'm going to have him as a chuck a star. I, I definitely can't fit him into my round one team though. Um, Stu? Yeah, look... Um... I th- he's chuck a star in me just on potential. I think that you can't bust him because he's not 600K. He's 470. I think that I'd still get, if you're looking for a half around that price range, my choice is Kurt Mann because uh, he's listed as a half, but he'll be playing 13. And there's a few other guys. There's Junior Ramon. There's uh, Elias from the uh, Rabbits, who we'll hear a bit more about next week. Uh at a cheaper price point too, you'll save a uh, hundred and twenty-five grand to trade down to them, or one hundred and seventy-five for Ilias. So, for me, he's definitely chuck a star. And if look, we could be wrong; they could go ballistic. But at least at that price point, as long as Sam Walker doesn't uh, crack out a century, you should be able to get on. If we're wrong, yeah. Mitch, are you looking at him? Oh, look. I'm not looking at him for my team, but if he was on someone else's team, I certainly wouldn't call them a nugget for doing it. I, I think two things. Number one, if Kiri is fit and plays, this team is going to kick ass. In fact, I think if he stays fit for the year, they'll probably win the premiership, though I don't think he'll stay fit for the whole year. Um, so there's that side. And if they are scoring points, Sam Walker will score points. And I think, you know, another year, you, you will see an uptick in his percentage uh, in his ability to kick goals. So he still might win over the kicking job. And I actually think Billy Smith's a better chance to have the center role than Paul Momorowski. I think Momo's just cover. Uh, the Roosters, I would wager, have learnt from uh, last year and the year before's injury rose, and they just want a bit of cover at some uh, critical positions. So I do think he'll probably get the kicking duties. And then the other thing I'd say is if Kiri does go down, I think Sam is another year older. I was reading he's put on about six, seven kilos, so he's a bit heavier. You might actually be able wow. to dig into the line. Yeah, he's up from 77 to 83. So 
I, I think he could easily be a 600k player um, and it'll be something I have a bit of a think about sort of whether I think uh, will Kiri succeed which you know if he does I think Sam Walker scores points anyway and then if he does get injured Sam Walker probably takes more of a role and still scores points so you know I, I can't see too many manifestations where he's not going to score points it's just how many points is he going to go up um, so that's my thing I think he's a spicy pick and I'm pretty firm on it um in terms of positional play guys i think we've got sam walker at um five eight and luke Kerry with number seven but luke Kerry's played you know five eight most of his career other than um no he's just played most of his career what hasn't he apart from last year for the first few games and that's where his for those first went, three games where he went ballistic so if sam walker is potentially going to be the halfback of the future you know there could be potential that he does take those kick me away from Kiri. That, I'm thinking that would just... be my sense of it, yeah. Okay. Well, oh, I he's think very he's, spicy then. He's okay. very, very spicy. I'm, I'm surprised both of you put Chuck a star in him. Like, I think he's a nice little POD, to be honest. Oh, look, uh, fair enough. Look, I won't be taking him, but I do get the point there, mate. I, I won't... I won't dispute that there. I, I was happy to wait for him to wait for something to happen. But, yeah, you're right. He could score plenty even with Luke Keery there, especially if he does play seven. If he does play seven, he's mm. definitely a spicy choice. Because There's significant would... upside if he gets the seven, Togo. So, well, look, let's put a spicy choice. Watch for the trials on Sam Walker, hey? Sick one. Okay. On to Paul Momorowski, who Mitch doesn't think will make the cut. Uh, well, he makes the cut here, mate. So... 466k with a break even of 37 in 2021 he averaged 38.1 in 15 games and he's a center there's not a deep bp which is a bit disappointing um so he averaged 40.3 when he played the full 80 uh without goals so but once you reduce the tackle bus he goes back down to 37.1 um as i mentioned before i think he's a likely goal kicker though Penrith opted for Stephen Crichton to kick in games when oh. Nathan Cleary wasn't playing. Stephen, Stephen Crichton is a he's a friggin' athletic beast though. There's there's a reason he's a yeah, but he's a he's a shite goal kicker at sixty seven point seven, and Mommy was seventy five percent from his NRL career. So um, I'm not particularly happy with that. But uh, if Mommy gets it, like I'm predicting. There could be a seven-point average bump based upon the Roosters' 4.7 tries per game at 75%. Um, there is significant job security issues mentioned. So you got Smith there, who's you know meant to be the bee's knees. Um, Suwali, who's an absolute giant. Um, and so if that's an issue and he plays wing, he's going to average 30 around low 30s. I'm predicting. But if he if he goal kicks, he could average 44. So um, you know, if he keeps his job, and I think he passes the eye, eye test for me personally, he's a very solid sort of player. Um, the the uh, issue is, if, Nick, it, like just just to jump in here, right? He's what's yep. his price again? Four sixty six, right? Yep. So he's he's not you're not going to make much money from him, right? Even if he gets to forty four, we're talking seven points if goal kicking in a risky spot, yep. man. Like that's that's not cash cow territory, and like. I'm not sure he's a keeper. I, I, I reckon he's bus territory. He's uh, look for me. He I'd struggle to pick him because a there's so many good centers out there 
this year is the year of the center apparently there there are cheaper centers yeah and and the second part is is that he was previously playing outside of nathan cleary who makes space for people right you just need to sit outside he does does that he he does but i'm just saying that like i think nathan is even better at that at the moment so i think that i can't see him getting more can you from luke cleary I think he can. Ooh, okay, so Nick, okay, how about you tell us, what have you got uh, Momorovsky as? Spicy. There, oh. we, go. there we go. Okay, and uh, Mitch, you've got him as a bust. I do. I just can't. I don't think he's going to start, and I don't think he's going to get the kicking duty. So. If he doesn't start, I'm completely out. So if he's round one, he's not in the team, obviously don't bother. But if he's starting <laughs> centre... <laughs> no, Nick's going to put him in his side anyway, just to spite <laughs> Leave him there, 466k, just in I'm case. I'm not giving him... I'm not giving him the boom tag. I'm just saying if he if he's starting round one, I will give you, like, a wink emoji... You know, if you post it up in, in the group or something like that, 100%. You've done your research if you pick Paul Momorowski or you've auto-filled in your county. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Look, mate, just Are to you see... Are you busting him, Stu? No, mate. I, to see you getting all the hate mail from people this year who get him and then he gets two games in, he's replaced by Sawali or someone like that, mate. I'm going to put him as a spicy pick entirely due to Nick Lord. And so send your hate mail to Nick Lord at <laughs> Facebook. So, <laughs> mate, I tag him on everything. So, you know, when he busts out, kind of like uh, a couple of centers did last year uh, from the Tigers, you know, we, you know where to send the hate. This is general fantasy advice and is not tailored to your specific needs of your fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Hit us up in the DMs. Okay, look, guys, we've got a million people to crack through. Who's next? Okay, on to the giant, Joseph Sawali, 350K. His break-even is 28, and he averaged 21 and 27 in 2021 in five games as a wing, fullback, and center. So he's a DPP, guys. So he averaged 26.3 at center and 30 at wing. Um, not really much to say there other than, you know, uh, because the sample size is so small. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm big on him because I'm betting on him. Reason being is because he's... Um, coming into this huge frame, he easily passes the eye test for me. If you look at the Bears footage, he's versing man and he's still dominating them. Like he's slick, he's classy, he's huge, he's fast, he's strong. He's, in my opinion, he's a smart player as well um, from a center point of view. He's a different sort of um, player when you compare him to, say, Joey Manu. I don't think he's the kind of meter eater, but I think he could be that tackle busting offload sort of guy. Um, though I do think his base stats and meters gains will increase if he's playing on the wing, um, just out of necessity. Um, so, you know, the risk is he's young. They brought Kevin Nagama onto the books, um, so he may not play every game, which is obviously quite risky. We wish he was cheaper and he didn't play last year. Um, yeah, I've got him... I'm not too sure. Pro Chuck a star, although he's in my team, if I'm honest. So, uh, Stu, are you, are you thinking bring him in? Uh, look, he's been a couple of iterations of my team. Uh, 
it's one of those ones around position and role. I'll be waiting for the trials for him. He's definitely chuck a star for me because of, and look, Mitch just talking about the, both those injuries and growing into the body. That makes sense to me. But I also know that there's those guys who just translate, you know, at 18 years old. So, you know, you don't want to go to the legends, but you know, Freddie Fittler was playing at 18 first grade out wide in that center role before he transitioned in with a bit. And if you got the talent, you can make it. So I just want to make sure how much faith the Roosters put in him. So for me, he's Chuck a star. You jumping on Mitch? No, I don't think he's Brad Fittler at 18. And I don't think he's GI at 18. He's sort of, he's a great player, but he has that sort of baby giraffe sort of movement about him. He, he just doesn't fit into that body yet. I think he will be an absolute beast in the game. Uh, but for 2022, I think he's a bust. Fair enough. Bust. You think he'll lose money? I don't think he'll gain money. That's true. And I guess for that investment, you know, you want him to, though he is DPP, I guess if he sits there as cover, that's not the worst at 350 if he doesn't. No, it's not. Look, if he plays. benched for Reggie's, that's where he's a bust. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. I just I just want to make sure that he's he's going to start week to week. So maybe I'll put him in my team, but but currently my mindset is he's a, he's a bust. I think we can find better options out there. Fair enough. And I guess uh, we'll be having our, our week nine preseason review of uh, I guess we'll be going through the trials. We'll be releasing sort of our pre team list Tuesday teams and sort of going through all that. So I guess we'll hear back from, you know, how Joseph Soali's looking from the trials then. Uh, so at the moment, Excellent, guys. Chuck a star. Who's next? Okay, on to uh, Billy Smith, the other young up-and-comer. He's 300K with the break in the 24. He averaged 27.3 in 2021 in three games centre. He's been bloody unlucky, guys. He had an ACL in late 2018, ACL in January 2020, shoulder reconstruction from his dislocated shoulder in February 2021, and then the Liz Frank, as Mitch mentioned earlier, in July 2021. He's played four full games, guys, four. Um, he's averaged 41. Once you take him to the tackle bus nerf, um, he, I don't know, I'm sort of thinking he's going to um, average low 30. So, you know, with the break even of 24, there could potentially be, you know, that 7 to 10 point value. Um, he's not going to average 41, but I'm sort of thinking if you take off the tackle busts and all that sort of stuff, he might make you a little bit of coin um, though I'd, I don't think he's going to get the starting job at all so um, yeah. I've got him as a chucker star later on in the year if there's an injury or two I, it depends on whether he's starting or not if he's starting and got goal kicking right I would try and find 300k to throw him in my emergencies or you know 17th man style role uh, just because you know I reckon the Roosters have probably score a lot of points that's just base stats, and then he'll get a run. And they obviously see talent with him because he's had all these injuries. The Roosters don't hang on to losers, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, they just don't. And so if they've kept him, they see something in there. And so if he gets that start, so, yeah, for me, he's, he's chuck a star, but he will make my emergency list in some way or the other if he gets that run. I'll be uh, having a look at him in the trials and uh, just seeing how he's moving and how he's playing. He has had a torrid time of injuries with two ACLs uh, and the Liz Frank, the shoulder Rico. You know, he's had a large i I'm not overly concerned about that. Um, 
as you said, he must be an absolute stud if the if the Roosters are hanging on to him. And he sort of looks to me like a better version of a Bradman Best-esque player. I think on a team like the Roosters that likely early on will be dynamic, if he's starting, I think he's very spicy. Like, oh, I would be much higher on Billy Smith than Joseph Swaley. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to score. If he's in that team uh, on Teamless Tuesday, he will find a way into my emergency yeah. team. I think he's a really interesting pick. 100%. Look, he's definitely... He moves up to spice choice with me if he makes it in the trials. The issue is, does he? And he's he's 191 centimetres, 99 kilos. So... He, he's a big, fast man. He is. He's... he's <laughs> boy, oh boy, if he finds form, this Roosters team gets scary. Yeah. So, look, for me, he's definitely... I guess just for the moment, he's a star, but definitely if he makes that number three or four position, he's, uh, we'll bring him in. he's in my team. How about you, Nick? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Um, bit contingent, but yep, I'm in. Fair enough. Chuck a star. Next, who have we That's got? It. Um, Daniel Tupo. Um, he is what he is at 465K, break even at 37. He averages 36.7. There's no meat um, on that point. Yeah, there's there's nothing here. I've I've looked into it. He scores, tries, busts a couple of tackles, runs a lot of meters. But there's not much value there at all, guys. If if you see him, I'm not angry, but I don't see any value whatsoever. So, um, I don't know. Bust, I guess. Bust. Just by the way, not bust as a fantasy player. He'll get you your 37 across the year, but there's no money, and he's not a final team keeper. And that's where and he's not cheap either. No, he's yeah, that's right. He's not dirt cheap. So if you're not making money and he's not a final team keeper for guys for your team round one, they're a bust. Okay. So we don't we don't think they're gonna go on a lean run try scoring wise either. So we don't see him having a lean run to drop in price necessarily. Should be pretty consistent, I'd say. Oh uh, well just because so much of his points are in base meters. He just gets 170, 180, it's just all there and a few tackles. Yeah, Mitch, you got the same? Yep, exactly the same. Sick, guys. On to the last one. Stu requested this as a deep cut. Adam Kieran. Um, pretty much 361K, break even to 29. He averaged 28 and a half in eight games. He's a DPP, half center, which is kind of interesting. Um, career center averages 34.3 with 1.3 goals. So if he increases the goals, he could average a bit more, but he's going to lose the tackle bus. So he sort of goes back to square one, really. Um, he doesn't make um, much money at hooker either. So I've got him as an absolute bust, I think, either way, really. Yeah. No, all good. I just um, I knew that they needed someone to be kicking goals. But you're right. If you got Momorowski, uh, you've, you've got Sam Walker, and you've got Billy Smith. Yaho, Smith, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, no, nah, all good. That's Thanks for doing the research, mate. Adam Kieran, if we do see him in your team, and he, well, well, who knows? He might be named, but more than likely, he's not going to make it, boys. So, get him out of your team. Next. Hey, let's get on to the forwards, boys. Angus Crichton, 757K, quite expensive. His break-even is 61. He averaged 60. In 2021 and 18 games, he's a DPP middle edge, which is nice. And as I mentioned before, his PPM is 0.76. Um, he's really settled into that second row, 80-minute role. So he played exclusively second row. Um, uh, one game with from the interchange, though. Um, previously, uh, he played a bit of lock and interchange in 2020, I believe, to just sort of cover the position a fair bit. Um, when I was sort of a bit low on the forward stocks in 2020, you know, when Radley went out. Um, he's very productive. 
Um, I think he could be a bit of a downside with some penalties and six again infringements, a bit of discipline issues potentially. I haven't got any stats to back that up. That's just an eye test, gut feeling sort of thing. Expect him to average around 60. Um, he averaged 60 with Kiri. He's, he's only 25, guys, so he's actually entering his <laughs> statistical prime. Um, uh, is it definitely is a final he only keeper? 25? That's outrageous. He's an outrageous man. <laughs> Do you think he's in protein shake corner? Uh, no, I, I don't. Uh, from what I understand about him, right, the reason why he got the office from Rugby Union and everywhere else, this was, you know, when he was just first cracking into origin into the 17, right? And we were just trying to end the streak. Uh, you know, the young uh, young blues were coming through, whatever else. His metric stats, right, like his fitness levels, his recovery times, all the other stuff is about 10% higher than the other elite guys. He's just, he's genetically and physically, and I guess training-wise, right, a freak. So he's just, he's built for rugby league. He's just, yeah, got the motor, got the speed, got the skills, and got that level of arrogance required to think you're king, you know, whatever. Do you know, he kind of reminds of Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. That big, that big jaw and chin, and you know, just I must crush you. And uh, I remember he was uh, he was out running. He scored that try last year. Do you remember he made that break tackle? It stuck out his tongue at the fullback running after him. Yes, he got he got, he got chased down, but he still kind of crabbed his way over, and somehow the bunker yeah. gave him a try. It's just like yeah, yeah, that's who he is. It's like he'd be an absolute prick sometimes, but he's scoring tries. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's a great, he's a brilliant player, guys. Um, I don't think you should pick it up round one, but you, I don't think it'll lose you any coin, but, you know, find some other value elsewhere and swing into him later post-origin, I'd say, guys. Okay, so you've got Chuck, Chuck a star. star. I've, I've got him as a spicy pick because I think that, look, he's got... I don't think there's that many more points in him, right? But I think that as a keeper in your team round one, who's also a DPP, like if you've got Payne Haas... And you've got Angus Crichton, like just what you might lose in a little bit of base stats, you gain in flexibility. So I would I would put him as a spicy choice. How about you, Mitch? I agree with Nick post origin Chucker style. Easy. Okay, cool guys. But again, I won't be mad if I see him in your mids. Maybe I will in your I'll edges. be mad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm mad. Nick. Okay, who's next? Sam Verrills, guys, um, the starting hooker, we believe, 492K is break even as 40. 2021 average was 37.4 in 13 games. He's a hooker with a 0.63 PPM. He came off his ACL, so he actually sustained that same as Rad, uh, Victor Radley in round 7, uh, 2020, which was in June. Um, so this is his second season off his ACL, which I believe is better from a performance point of view, right, Mitch? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like once you get in close to that 12 months, that's a good thing. Excellent. So he's sort of 18 months past that now or a bit longer even. Anyway, he yep. averaged uh, 41.1 in 65.1 minutes. Um, so sort of, uh, I'm sort of projecting him to have a 55-minute role. So I'm sort of projecting around 34. So I've got him as a bust. Yeah. with Connor, If Connor Watson wasn't there, if Sam Verrills is playing 80 and if... Uh, Brandon Smith wasn't coming next year. I'd be hiding him, but yeah, no points there, boys. Stay away. Cool. We've litigated that. Okay, Mitch, we're just assuming you're a bust, yeah? Yep. Good assumption. 
Sick one. Okay, on to Connor Watson, guys. 647K, break even of 52, 20, 21 average of 51.5. He played every single game. He's a DPP hooker mid, 0.87 PPM. This is sounding good, guys. Now, when you take into his tackle busts, right, interchange, he's going to average about 46 in 51 minutes, right? If you start in lock when you take into the tackle bust, he's going to average around 55 in 65 minutes. The games he started in lock and he's played more than 60 minutes, he's averaged 61.8, which, you know, comes down to around 60. Let's just say 60, a point a minute when he's playing starting lock over 60 minutes. We don't think he's going to play starting lock because you've got Victor Radley there who we'll get to in a sec. But we think he's actually going to play um, around 25 minutes at lock, around 25 minutes at hooker. So once you combine these sort of points per minute in each of these positions, we're sort of assuming he'll average around 41.5. And that's um, if he doesn't have to drop back to cover someone else as well at centre or at winger, because that's where he'll end up otherwise. He played fullback for the Knights last year. Like during, yeah, we don't, see, we, we don't see a point where the coach is going to start Connor Watson and bench Victor Radley. That's just <laughs> not going to happen. So his role is going to be very different. I don't know why he's made this move. It must be for more money potentially or happiness or some other reason. Or a premiership. Premiership's nice. Knights Has he got one? one? Probably Did a you flag, leave before man. they got one? No. Nah. Okay. There you go. So it must, must be for the premiership then. Okay. Either way, I've got him as a 10-point bust. Yep, uh, mate, I'd agree on that. Yeah. Every time that I've seen him in people's team this year, I've just been getting cranky because I'm just like, guys, he's just, he's not the, you're buying the guy from last year. He's at a new club and the situation is not better. I would love someone to tell me the statistical reason for picking him up other than he's a nice bloke. Okay, moving on. Victor Radley. Victor the Inflictor, 563K with a break even of 45. His 2021 average was 42.9 in 14 games as a mid. His 0.7 PPM as a mid is not good. It's already a worry, okay? So there's already red flags when you look at Victor Radley. Now, I did a deep dive, guys, not on him as a footy player, but him with his suspensions and his (laughs) on and off the field stuff. Okay, here we go. They suspended two games and fined 20 grand for allegedly tackling someone outside a highest party in December 2020, right? <laughs> they missed the first two games of the 2021 season. He then faced the judiciary round six against the Storm for a grade two high contact on Cam Munstone with Sinbind. He copped a five-game suspension in round 11 against the Broncos for a dangerous tackle on Albert Kelly. He got Sinbind twice in that same game. While suspended, so this is after getting suspended, he allegedly got kicked off a Gold Coast flight mid-June 2021 for being drunk. He then copped a three-game suspension, round 22, against the Broncos because he hates Albert Kelly, so he dived at his <laughs> legs for, at a, for a field goal attempt. <laughs> Guys, I, I'm worried about his PPM, and I'm just worried about him getting on the field or not being sent off the field, okay? He was concussed around nine, nine minutes into the game, and he scored eight. So once you take away games where he was not only concussed, but sin-binned, right? So <laughs> there's quite a few games I've got to analyze here, right? Um, he averaged 48.5 in 66.5 minutes. So his PPM goes from 0.7 to a whopping 0.73. Okay, so there's not, not much a difference, really. Uh, I mentioned before King Guffo was number one in support runs. Victor was number 
uh, Guffo was number one. Uh, Victor is number four in the league in total support runs. This is despite only playing 14 games. That's huge. So he is an absolute monster when he's on the field in terms of being in the play. Um, if he actually sees more games, he could actually score some more points, I'd say. Um, he definitely passes the eye test. Joe, I know Joey Johns loves his passing games. Uh, he's second year off the ACL, um, so he should be back to you know 100% normal, I'd say. Um, full off season, everything like that. I haven't heard anything of him, you know, doing anything stupid. So I'm assuming he's in the good books again. He's pulling his head in. Um, reasons for his downside, though. Um, Watson. If Watson take starts eating to his minutes, then that could really hurt him. Or if he gets suspended some other creative way. Now, okay, I've been thinking about this. You know, I did so much review of this uh, suspensions sin bin stupid stuff that he does. So I'm betting, boys, his first sin bin will come before either round eight or before. Because round eight, boys, they run into the Bulldogs. He runs into Tavita Pangai Jr. and Jack Hetherington. Whoa. Right. That, that, that's like a suspension storm. Well, they'll have to pay OT for the judiciary that week. <laughs> oh, Mate, the, the judiciary's got to pay their bills somehow, right? They've got to suspend people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, at least it's not magic round, so they can't ruin it. So that's good. Although they might, you know, have such a smackdown that they'll find some other rules changed to ruin magic round this year. <laughs> yeah, well, I bloody hope not. Oh, no. Well, you know, if, if we're going. making the trip. Yeah. <laughs> so, so look, uh, yeah, I think guys, I think that unfortunately they're like, as you said, the high side, right, is 48.5 if he removed all the games where he's injured and sin bin. That's pretty gross for a break even of 45. What does that smell to you, Nick? Bust. Bust. Mitch? Bust. Yeah. Yeah, he's a talented player, but he's also a thug, so he's a bust. Ooh, thug. There we go. Add it to the list. He's called Victor Radley. Straight up slander. Straight up thug. And he probably would have drunk a beer with you too. Now I have to glass you. (laughs) (laughs) Thus proving his point. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Well, you can't glass someone with a plastic cover beer, so I guess it's just embarrassing. <laughs> All right. Um, it would it would suction onto your face. Um, uh, so we got him as a bust. Okay, moving on. We got Lindsay Collins, guy, six hundred forty one k. His break even is fifty one. He averaged fifty point five in twenty twenty one in six games. He's a middle and guys. He had a one point oh nine ppm. I'm I'm getting excited. Adam Elliott excited. All right. He had the ACL Ooh. round eight versus the Knights, which is why he didn't finish the year. Um, as I said, monstrous PPM. He gets through a mountain of work. So he makes 28.7 tackles per game, 140 running meters. All this in only uh, 50-odd minutes a game. Okay, guys. Now he's 25 turning 26. So um, uh, shout out to um, a guy who runs this account called Rugby League Eye Test. So he's this uh, guy's worked out that front rower statistical prime is actually 26 years old in terms of minutes played, runs per game, offloads per game and tackles per game. So Lindsay Collins, whilst he's coming off an ACL guys, is actually coming to his front rower's prime. Um, This is actually, should be his best year, assuming his ACL comes back through. Um, If you adjust for tackle busts, I see him averaging in 45 minutes around 47.4 
That said though, if he gets to 55 minutes, guys, he could be averaging about 55, 56 or so. Mitch, what are your thoughts on the ACL and his output this year? Look, as far as ACLs go, as I keep saying, 12 months is typically my marker for where I'm most satisfied that they're going to be heading back towards peak performance and Lindsay's going to be closest to 11. The other thing I would say is that he's not a back uh, or half, so he's going to be much less reliant on that top speed, agility and need to change direction. He might have a very slight drop-off round one and two, um, but based on those PPMs, if you're looking for something a little bit spicy and different from an injury point of view, I wouldn't be all that concerned. Yeah, he... Mate, look, he pushed um, Jabriero Hargraves to the bench. That's how well he was playing. But it's whether he was doing that because he was running 110% and that's why he got that ACL injury. So, because a lot of those, I know, my eye test for the Roosters always seen that those guys were always playing it a little bit harder than the other team. Like, not leaving oh, yeah. as much. Like, all their runs, all their little jinx, the little side-to-side, the stagger steps, uh changes in direction they were just going hard so maybe he's wised up a little bit from there which puts his ppm down the big one is 641k right i'm just struggling with that like he got uh udo ikamanu uh who's five uh 560 odd 558 from memory you got uh christian welch at 588 and you got you're spending another 20 grand and you're getting pangai jr and dpp on an edge for the Bulldogs who look like a better team this year sitting outside Matt Burton. So for me, I just say that he's not a... I want to chuck a star in him because I don't think he's a bust, but I wouldn't want to see him in your team round one. I want to pick him up later on in the year. Chuck a star as well, Mitch. Yep, chuck a star. Just just a round or two to make sure he's okay. Uh, and then as you said, just, just a roll concern there as well just make sure he has this sort of role where he'd be worth the cash hmm. guys okay we're chucking a star on Lindsay Collins see how he goes on to um, some deep cuts now Nat Butcher uh, 535k break even of 43 average 40.9 in 2021 and 18 games the reason why we bring him up is because he is the DPP middle edge which, which is handy um, 0.74 ppm now his edge, so second row PPM is 0.64 and his interchange PPM is 0.85. Um, I don't see him getting too many minutes in the middle um, and I don't see him relieving Angus Crichton any minutes. So I'm sort of looking at Satili Tupanua and thinking, are you going to get a spell um, potentially? Um, because you've got, you know, Jaria, uh, Jared Rhea Hargraves, Taki Aho, um as your middles as long as well as Radley and Watson we mentioned before. So I'm sort of penciling in that butcher for around, you know, 30 minutes middle, 15 minutes edge. Um, and where that sort of takes him guys is to an average around 35. So it, honestly, if you have him, I think based upon the minutes he's going to be getting, I think uh, bust. Yeah. But uh, Mitch, Short of a slew of injuries to the Roosters, Roosters forward pack that would be rivaling the NRL apocalypse, I think he's a bust. Yeah, <laughs> he had him a couple of years ago, didn't you, Mitch? Twenty twenty. 
Yeah, I made a bit of cash off him. I, I, he worked out very nicely due to that slew in injuries. So, you know, he probably is a bust. But if you said to me, chuck a star, I could get on board with that. But there is just so much talent in that second and front row at the Roosters. Like, he's just so far down the pecking order. They would have to be, like, they'd all have to be in the same... He'd have to be in a different bus, and the team bus would have to be crashed into. Like, <laughs> like I, I, he's I, running late I'm in the car, to, struggling to work. Out. <laughs> he, he, he's trying to run and catch up to it, or he's like Josh Dugan and just didn't make the bus. I, I don't know, but like, <laughs> oh, mate. something something ridiculous would have to happen. Yeah, the, oh, the, no. the, the, okay. the big one for me is also is that unlike some of these guys, like you know your Targos and your other guys in the other teams who might get that run, your Andrew Davies, right? Nat Butch is already fully priced. And so, guys, when we're buying guys who are getting those fringe rolls on the make-as, you don't spend 500k on them. You might spend Not 240 and have a punt for a few rounds. Like, But don't, don't, don't put your life savings on guys like Nat Butcher. <laughs> nah, nah, don't, don't touch them, guys. Even if he gets a starting roll, it's a bit shaky. Hey guys, just going to round out the Ford pack here. Jared Reed Hargraves, 519k with a break even of 42. His 22 on average was 39.6 and 21 games for the big fella. He's got a 0.81 ppm as a mid, so the ppm is pretty solid. Um, however, when he was playing, um, he's 33, so he's, he's really getting on and he's played a hard, long career so far. So his ppm off the interchange is awesome at 0.93, but only gets about 35 minutes. So. His average is around 32, which means he's an absolute bust. And if he plays prop uh, in 60 minutes average, he's, he, he got 45. So um, I've sort of got him penciled in for around 45 minutes in the mid. So I'm sort of got him averaging, you know, mid 30s. So I've got him as a bust as well. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, sorry, Stu, you thinking the same? I, I was just going to say last year, he was uh, starting prop because of the Collins injury. And so I think he's priced at that longer minutes for most of the year. So I think that this year, I think they will try and use him more as an impact player and a bit of an enforcer. So whether that's going on, coming off early and coming back late, whether that's coming off the bench, I don't know. But I I don't see him getting the same number of minutes. Bar, you know, Mitch's, you know, appraisal of the Roosters medical team or just sheer luck being accurate. <laughs> <laughs> you touchy, oh, Mitch? Oh, God. No, mate, not at all. Okay, guys, we've got bus territory for Jared. Um, on to Takia Ho at 570K, break even of 46, 2021 average of 43.7 in 20 games. He's got a 0.85 ppm. So most of these Roosters Force guys, they have nice ppms. They get through a lot of work. Um, I'm sort of... So he's... When he played prop, he averaged 47.3, which is sort of where his break-evens at. So I think the uh, NRL fantasy is sort of think he's going to start at, at prop and play 53 minutes and with a 0.9 ppm. My problem is, is I'm sort of thinking that Rear Hargraves and Lindsay Collins are going to start and play the longer minutes. So it might be Takiaho that ends up coming off the interchange like he did and he averaged, you know, 35 in 45 minutes. So... Um, because he's more of an impact sort of player, in my opinion. Um, Stu, do you think he'll start or do you think he's coming off the bench? Look, I he was carrying a rib injury, and I think that's why he was coming off the bench later on in the year last year. Like, he's he's quite quite skillful with ball in hand player. So I, th- 
I I get a feeling, and but again, I'm not a not necessarily a full NRL expert or even half of one. So I would say that SST quite possibly uh, is starting alongside Collins with Weir Hargraves as an impact player. Uh, but I still don't see the value there for him. Like he just 570K, right? Would you rather have him or would you rather have um, someone like Christian Welsh where there's no question over what his role is for 18 grand more? I just, I can't, I can't make a decision for this guy. How about you, Mitch? No. Yeah. I feel the same way. Job security is just not strong enough. The, the, the problem with the, this forward pack is there's too many darn good players who, who can play decent minutes and, and drink out of his milkshake. So, super player, but from a fantasy perspective, he, he just doesn't have uh, enough cash in him, I don't think. Serious quality, isn't there? Just, they're just oozing in, you know. Nat Butcher would, you know, maybe He'd start. start in most teams. Yeah, for a lot of them, you'd think, hey... It's, uh, as I said, why Fluke Geary stays fit. Oh, boy. Mm. That'd be gross to you. Well, look, let's talk about that. So, guys, just to review, we have no one, again, in the boom category, unfortunately. So, uh, that's going to make uh, life interesting when it comes to recommendations. So, we have Spicy Choice. We have James Tedesco, Sam Walker, and Paul Momorowski. We have a Chucka star on Joey Manu, Joseph Suwali, Billy Smith, Angus Crichton and Lindsay Collins. And just a reminder, Chuck a star means we just want to wait and see. We'll maybe pick him up later on in the season. Uh, bust, guys. Uh, we have uh, Luke Keary, Daniel Tupu, Adam Kieran, Sam Verrills, Connor Watson, Victor Radley, Nat Butcher, Jared Weir at Hargraves, and Siosia Tahuyako. Now, guys, I'm the guy who has to actually get all this on some sort of infographic for Facebook. So thanks for picking so many damn plays. <laughs> It's going to be like size three fonts. I'm going to have Mate, to. You want you wanted Kieran and um, you I know. Did. Uh, uh, that, I did, and I wanted Billy Smith too. So he I, did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so look, it's it's gross. I'm just uh, yeah. It's going to have to be like an extra long, like a scrolling picture or something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, look, let's get to the ladder predictions for the Roosters guys. I know you guys have been high on them all night. So uh, Nick. Where have you got them? Um, I have them number one. Minor mm. premiership to the Roosters, cock-a-doodle-doo. Whoa. There you go, Mitch. What have you got? Uh, I have them in fourth. I think they'll get off to a raging hot start. They'll be the talk of the NRL. Luke Keery will go down. They'll cop a few losses and they'll finish in fourth. Uh, they'll still probably contend in some way for the premiership, but their fate is firmly tied to Luke Keery and they're, they're going to have to then look to invest in Sam Walker and probably a stable half partner and possibly move on. We there we go. That's, there you go. That's a big call. That's um one to remember that, you know, Luke Keery may, yeah, may not even be a long-term half solution over at the Roosters. So that's, that's an interesting thought. Um, I, so- I just, I, I just think in the NR, in the NRL, we need... Yeah, anyway. No, no, go, go on. Nope, okay. Oh, sorry, I lost you. Um, sorry, I just had, had a headphone issue there. Um, no. We've lost you again. All right, we'll, we'll just go with Mitch here has uh, just decided that uh, Luke Curie's <laughs> the end of his uh, 
particular career and he's just written him off as a player full of injuries along with the Roosters medical staff, okay? Have we got that on record? He is trash, yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's what Mitch just said. All right, and I've got them as third. So, Mitch, if we don't... Really? I've got them as third. Uh, I figure that uh, they... Uh, they will be up there. I just think that they will run into some. They do have a brand new backline, uh, as far as things go. Talented backline, though. Oh, it's talent. It just takes a little while to gel. It's just those five percent, perhaps, between where they're at. But look, the Storm have the same issue, and the Panthers have the exact same issue as well. So I just have them as third because I think there's a little bit of a difference between uh, Kiri and Walker versus just say. Uh, Cleary and Luai, and I Cleary mm-hmm. and Luai, or uh, Munster and you Hughes. got Teddy there though. You do have Teddy there, and so it's look as I said third. I, if they came first, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, all right, yeah, I'm making I'm I'm making a big bet on Teddy. You know, having a 2012 Billy Slater revenge sort of tour. You know, after getting um smashed and you know having a pretty rough year last year i reckon uh, he was excellent but he got, he got absolutely cream last year i reckon so i think i'm predicting teddy revenge tour teddy revenge you know what? That, that's probably I'm, why I'm the picking, knees in the I'm state picking, it is right i'm picking teddy oh okay I've, i was just about to say pick a vidalia but oh. okay i'll think about that i'll come back next week i think if nathan cleary plays 20 games next season I reckon he'll win by a country mile for Dallium, but I, I'm not sure that he will, just due to the fact that he's so busy and so targeted. Mm. Anyway, look, we'll find out. So, okay, guys, so we've got Mitch at fourth. Uh, we have uh, have the Roosters landing fourth. We have Nick get, having them get the minor premiership, and we have myself at third. So, look, we all have them as top four, guys. So, look, we're all pretty high on them. So I guess, guys, if you had to recommend a player to someone from the Eels or the Roosters as someone solid to get behind, or at least a decent buy, who would you pick? Uh, let me start with Mitch, mate, if I got you back online. Yeah, mate. I, I hope, Can you hear me now? I had a bit of a crash in the computer there. Um, I, I want to go Billy Smith. I think if he plays wow. round one and looks good in the trials, I will be all over him like a fat kid at Christmas. I just think <laughs> there aren't too many real obvious cash cows, but if he if he makes a start, I think he's going to make 150, 200K. Just take us back one second there. Are fat kids at Christmas all over Billy Smith? What are they over, yeah, mate? <laughs> They're over the food. Uh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, mate. This wasn't quite clear. So <laughs> that's good to know. Thank you, Billy Smith. Uh, nothing against you for legal reasons. That was definitely a joke. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, nothing, nothing. I certainly don't want to slander anyone else tonight. No, no, not at all. So okay. So look, uh, Billy Smith. Look, that's a strong call. Uh, Nick, who have you got, mate? Look, I'm, I'm a sucker. And Mitch knows this. I'm a sucker for athletes who just, you know. That where measurables are just off the charts. I'm going Joseph Sawali. I'm, oh, no. I'm tipping. I, I, he's in my team. I feel good about it. If he's starting, I'm picking him and I'm sticking. And I think it's a set and forget as a DPP, absolute monster athlete. 
Uh, it's true. And look, they've picked him up for a reason. They stole him from, uh, like they stole Angus Crichton. Well, stole, they offered him a better contract uh, from the uh, Rabbitohs. So he's certainly, a, you know, I can't see too much wrong with that. Uh, but I do, uh, do get Mitch's point there. For myself, uh, look, you guys have chosen sort of a couple of the top ones. Look, there's Will Penasini, but I've just, a, I'm struggling a bit with that choice. Uh, I just don't have a big enough sample size to go with. So look, if you wanted someone to come to me and recommend outside of those two, I would probably say Angus Crichton, as spicy as that is. Uh, oh, wow. Because you can put him on your side. He will play. He will score you plenty of points. If you need a backup captain because Cleary's out with COVID or whatever else, I reckon I'd I'd have him in there for your team because I do you, can you guys see him performing like taking a dive in performance? Not at all. Yeah. So it's yeah that, that's the reason why I got him there. So but again, it's a recommendation of like he's a solid choice, but you're not going to make a million coins from him. No, you're not going to go wrong. That's for sure. And a DPP guys, it's it's the. I think um, I think a lot of people having this issue with their roster construction is sort of trying to find enough mids because mm. there aren't many cheapy mids you can go for. So if you can get a middle edge that you can shove in your gun edge position and swing him across into your mid, that can really help your roster construction, I reckon, don't you think, Stu? 100%, yes, exactly. Having a great DPP mid edge does help with a lot of problems, especially with because guys will miss games, especially middle forwards. They get busted. They get suspended because they hit the little blokes high when they come in. They get tired. They have weeks off. So having having a guy like that and a guy as free from injury as Angus Crichton in, the only thing he gets is the occasional crusher suspension. That's it. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but, so, you, so you're taking Crichton over Papali'i? <sighs> I'm taking him for a recommendation for a team. Papali, he would also be a good one. I might actually split the two. I might have the two because they're basically the same player. Basically, if you can afford Papali, would you go Papali or would you recommend oh. Crichton? For just for certainty position, I'd have to recommend Crichton because they're not taking him off, right? Papali, yeah, job security is definitely there, isn't it? Job security. Whereas Papali, he he is off next year to another team. And he sometimes gets subbed to the mids, right? Whereas mm. at worst, Angus Crichton goes to lock, right? So apart from for a bit of a game. So look, I'd take the two, but I'm going to do a slash this week. They're just safe bets. <laughs> it's a good call there. All right, boys. Well, look, we have been through a mammoth session. So sorry about that. But look, the Roosters had plenty of players worth a look at. And uh, Parramatta did too. It's been fun. Uh, any final remarks, boys? Any thoughts? No, nothing at the moment. No, I think I think we've pretty well covered in the two and a half hours we've been going. <laughs> That's it. As always, if you made it to the end, I know my wife says she listens to us at double speed now just to get through the podcast. <laughs> so, you know, I must sound like that chipmunk to her. So apologies, darling. But I actually shout out mum, who's an Eels fan. Hope you make the top eight even though I don't think any oh, look, of us think they will no I did I had him a seventh so there you go mum one of us is keeping the faith you know so <laughs> give, give me the biggest slice of dinner next time I'm over so 
<laughs> anyway, look, guys, thank you for listening to us if you stayed through this long. Uh, and next week, we will be looking through uh, starting into the top four teams. So we'll be looking at the Seagulls and uh, the Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs do have a fair bit to look through. The Seagulls should be pretty quick. But look, thanks for yep. listening. Appreciate it all. And we'll catch you next time. This is uh, the Boomer or Bust podcast week six preseason review signing out. Thank you. Bye, guys. Peace, guys. See you later. Okay.